0: The World Cup, on off the ball, covering the good, the bad, and, well, the ugly, of what's happening in Qatar. Neymar can push the ball between your legs because he just sees things. Subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast feed now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into
1: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar.
2: It's half past seven, it's Friday morning. Good morning to you. Welcome to Auto Shane Hanna, good morning to you. Morning, Adrian, how are things? We haven't seen him in a while, but Colin Bowie, good morning to you. Hola, me amigos, que tal? You're hiding there behind the laptop. Great to see you and hear from you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. I uh, really
1: appreciate it. You are the it's producer, great. so it was your, your decision. No, thanks very much. Where's I really appreciate coming on. Um, what? People have been in touch in their droves, Shane, over Where the last... He? Well yeah. like no, I noticed that no one had, which is really upsetting. Um, no, no one noticed, but I was just uh, behind the scenes, just making sure that OTBAM was running smoothly and uh, helped brilliantly by the uh, esteemed members of OTBAM, Jojo, Emma, Kathleen, Cameron, Paul Shacknessy, everybody helped out mm-hmm. while um, I was away finding myself. an award, well I think. Find, I was Where finding, finding myself, and by finding myself, I mean getting gum surgery, right? which uh, I would love to hear the comments if anyone has had gum surgery. Uh, or the text 87 9 80 I got um, a gun graft, uh, taking skin from one side of my mouth and putting it on the other side and it required several stitches and it meant that for two and a half weeks or so I wasn't able to laugh or express myself in any way and everybody here had to put up with that. Cork people, talk people don't about. laugh
2: anyway. No. They not? Cork well, people don't laugh, he says. He, he, we'll doesn't, call, we'll laugh, that, he doesn't laugh at everybody's jokes apart from, him, from his own, you see, shade of, well, of things. So. No, I find a lot of people funny. Mm. You internalise a lot of that very well. I find a lot of people
1: funny. <laughs> no names. Yeah, a lot. Good. Yeah, yeah, I do. I enjoy Listen, the it's laugh. It's good
3: to
2: have you back. That's, that's the main thing. That was really what I was trying to express there. I mean, thanks for giving us all the detail about, uh, you know, the, your thank you uh, and well done to everybody list. And uh, also, you know, the full, uh, full details of exactly what happened while you were away. The Oscars. Um, yeah. yeah. nobody I'm asked. Nobody asked. And asked and I so
1: I just said I'd give the information because if nobody asks her, they'll never know. True.
2: So. You were in the retro
4: gear as well this morning,
2: Colin.
1: Yeah. Um, Kathleen was saying I was getting dressed up, especially for the show. That's incorrect. I just saw it um, in my wardrobe. It called to me. Uh, Happy Friday, Friday feeling. I thought it's nice, it's light, and uh, it's comfortable. And then I was thinking to myself, I almost castigated myself in a fashion sense. Geez, I never wear this.
2: Yeah, it's it's relatively wrong. offensive I is what I'd say. Like, in what sense? It's not
1: easy on the eye. No, actually, that's incorrect because um, baby blue and white are uh, psychologically that's calming. Incorrect. They're uh, calming colours. <laughs> and uh, JoJo I just said I, I love it. I could
4: hear that. He yeah. thought even in my ear. I
1: JoJo could would hear you that.
2: say it's outrageous to look at? I, I don't mean in a
4: I don't mean in a. would actually take I take JoJo's offensive thoughts at, on fashion ahead of Adrian's. Of I'd say Adrian. no. I
1: haven't even looked at the YouTube at comments but I'd say would you get that a football the football it was unbelievable but great, last night was insane.
2: Great yeah. top uh, column says Spectracore Adrian is a hater. There you go. Spectacle.
1: and Spencer is a tough man to please. Like he is, you know his comments can go either way. He's often mad but- about of my breathing on the microphone
4: as well. So apologies, yeah. you know I, you have to breathe. You do have to breathe. Yeah. Um, apologies though for breathing
2: Han Japan says I uh, come forward with the, the top uh, comment of the day the first comment of the day I should say and like they, I love these storylines I must admit because they're classic World Cup They everybody gets like unbelievably passionate about whether the ball was over the line or not for 24 hours everybody's got a view in it have you seen this angle have you seen this picture I heard this person say that and I guarantee you I'll ask you next week and you'll be like was that the ball to Japan? Was, was that playing. the was what? Who got knocked out because of that thing? Look at that. Um, the there's an well. angle of uh, of <laughs> that column dropped into WhatsApp last night um, that uh, conclusively confirms that the ball, full of the ball. I mean, the bit of the paint uh, hadn't fully gone over the line. So uh, oh, yeah. now the only thing about that picture is who knows if that's 90 degrees over the top and so it could also still be at a slight angle the other, the other thing that I think is like you know and obviously look there's loads of fallout. and we're going to talk to uh, Jasmine Baba about it a little bit later on and we'll, I'm sure we'll, it'll be a big theme across the morning about Germany's exit is obviously the knock on um, of all this but the team obviously went and looked at it last night the referee had a look at it on the pitch yeah, and they conclusively decided that the ball was in play yeah. and here we are 12 hours later still a- unable to conclusively say with a confirmed ninety-degree angle, or some way of absolutely saying for certain the ball was still in play, how did they make that decision without having absolute concrete evidence? Uh, I don't. I think they were able to make the decision because
1: I actually think uh, Emma zoomed in there and showed us like the probably the best angle. Obviously, well, we don't know that, no, that no, angle. No, but that is angle. See, see that, that an one angle? there that Emma but, has. But we, but so, so I could guarantee. But no, that, that is over,
2: That's touching the line. But, but listen. I could take, we don't know where the angle of the, but it's, a, it's the,
1: it's the curvature of the ball. Bo- no, no, okay, Do you it's know the what curvature I'm of the ball. See this, this video now from Twitter, this is kind of proving it. So
4: that looks, this looks is proving it. Okay, yeah. There
1: or, so, yeah, so that's the angle that we saw on TV, right? So, that's the one angle that we saw before they went to VAR. So, sure. it's like, oh, that's definitely out of play. Definitely. Yeah. So, this guy now on Twitter, uh, he's going to go over the ball. So, that's the angle then from above. That's sure. the angle so from the curvature providing of the us ball. It's a lovely
2: 90 degree angle from above, but we, I don't but know but the angle is vertical
1: so it's but, a ball so you know, unless show. it's
2: 90 degrees you can't tell for sure I would
1: say you can tell pretty well from that because you can tell it, pretty well but, but, but you um, can tell for sure. Peter Walton was on ITV afterwards and he said the root is the curvature of the ball so the Literally, the shape of a football would allow it not that extra leeway any. that it goes over the not line. I'm not disputing any of that. I'm I, just
2: saying that we don't have a 90 degree angle over the top of the ball to say for sure. Well, you look, have to accept not, not, facts, not, look, a statement of fact.
1: Not to spoil um, Jasmine Babb's segment, but I was talking to Jasmine. Go ahead Jasmine anyway, and she yeah, go ahead, said, look, that, that the German fans are not blaming that because they think, okay, that's, that's fair enough. I think the problem was that, like everyone was saying, it was reflected in commentary, was that we weren't shown a conclusive angle as the viewers. So we didn't know Still, why, yeah. we didn't really know why the goal was allowed. After the on-field decision was no goal, went to the veterans and said, there's no way they're going to give this because that one angle we've seen, um, it looks like it's out of play. Mm. And then suddenly the goal is given, and then what happens is everybody jumps on the conspiracy bandwagon. Like, what is happening with this World Cup? I, can't I don't. know. I, I'm
2: certainly on the conspiracy bandwagon, but I am on the. How did they make a decision if we still can't tell? We still don't have a conclusive I angle. Think, I
4: think that well, that, that angle like, tells me the ball was still in, in we, play. We don't know,
2: but I mean, it's only because we
4: weren't.
1: I think uh, this would leave even be a debate this morning if they had shown a few angles and in the decision was the
4: curvature of the ball. Did so the VAR morning. have different angles than we had? Maybe they had more conclusive
1: angles well, so than they
2: didn't show us. So that is exactly the them. point. But why wouldn't, had, they, why wouldn't they show exactly. us? Exactly. So I don't think they had and I think that they took a guess at it. Mm. Why would they take a guess? If you're in doubt, leave it out. I think they went for the uh, less catchy we were in doubt but Screw it, We leave it in. Which is the
4: opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So you know so why would you do it's that? Justice for Frank Lampard, twenty ten.
2: Well, the Germans, the the
4: Germans had it coming. Mind, yeah. The
1: Germans had it coming. And Pedro Mendes against Roy Carroll. Yeah. Look, it's it's been um, coming for a long time. But I look, I I think that the the only problem was that. Um, there wasn't enough transparency for the viewer, so it's reflected online. There's a lot of people saying, like, how did they give that decision? Cause, and it felt like people felt left out, basically, excluded from the decision-making. With And there's nothing that angers people more than that.
2: I also think there's room to go fuller or keen on all this with the Spanish goalkeeper. What was he doing? Like, I think he was actually a fault for both goals. The first one was really soft. Soft, soft hands. Soft yeah. hands, chocked out hands, and just sort of petered on past, like, very, very limp. Mm. And then nice the second one, you know, same one, and he's like, for the second one, he gets totally carried away with the way... The, where, where the ball is going and like almost this sort of clownish style jump into the goal when the ball is still in play like the little cat clownish sort of jump into the yeah, goal that was totally needless because st- hold your, if he stands his ground he oh. either catches that ball or he bats it away I Tell you who wouldn't have done that
1: David De Gea Yeah I was oh. saying I thought that's where
2: Adrian was going with this uh. get David De Gea <laughs>
1: Call him, well, bring him in. No, really, I mean
2: he might have done an equally styled clownish. I diet think
1: um, uh, Seaman's distribution is very good, and Luis Enrique is a fan as a result. Um, and I suppose he's more flexibility to his all around play. But like, yeah, I'm never never
4: massively convinced by his goalkeeping. Anyway, regardless of the game last night, the beautiful thing about Spain finishing second in that group is it takes them out of the Brazil Argentina side of the draw until the final. So instead mm. of having a Brazil Spain what semi final, we will now potentially have a Brazil Spain final, which. We all want. That's the final, isn't it? You do, it?
2: you see the thing, I, I've I said this before, we were on Tuesday maybe even, that. Yeah. And, and I would stand by this all day long. I love the little bit of an upside in a group stage, mm. even in the last 16. I love that. That's the, like, a bit of the secret ingredient in a World Cup one of these major tournaments. But by the time you get to the final, just give me the big guns. Yeah, okay. I don't really want any of that. We're unfortunately in agreement. We're unfortunately in, a, we're no unfortunately in agreement because I was going to say maybe.
1: last 16 is the
2: last slot I want for an upset. Quarterfinals. Last sixteen upset maybe into the quarterfinals, but after that, absolutely. Once I want my four semi-final teams and the finalists to be big dogs. There's you, nothing
1: more disappointing than an underwhelming semi-final. Adrian was obviously semi-final. He's obviously
4: happy days when Scalacci scored against Ireland
1: in the <laughs> quarterfinals in <laughs>
2: 1990. I must say, uh, I'm in terms of the punditry, I'm, I'm I'm flitting between all channels. I'm sure the same as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, ITV, I'm probably jo- enjoying more than most. I think it's a, it's a good setup, um, really good lineup, punditry, mm. commentary, uh, studio, the whole lot. I'm enjoying that. But Damien Duff is brilliant. I know. I need more <laughs> Damien Duff in my life. He's, he's been brilliant watching him last night there's no absolutely zero BS about him <laughs> any question he gets asked you know the way at times with pundits and I'm not saying on this show but at times with pundits when they get asked a question they're just filling time yeah. right? they've got a minute to fill they're giving you whatever old stock they're having their, in, their, uh, in their head just to, I don't really have an opinion on this but I'll have to say something anyway you just know with him if he's nothing to say about it mm. he'll just give you a very quick brief mm. answer and away he goes there was one point last night he was sat back hand in the uh, pocket just sort of chilling out He's got a great demeanour about him. I, you know, He's obviously gone down the managerial route and mm. he'll stick at that for probably decades. I, uh, uh, I wouldn't be in the slightest bit, bit upset uh, if he just gave up all of that stuff and went <laughs> 103 full-time. You know what? That's him it, it's a really
1: interesting point, agent, like You texted me last night to remind me, like, oh, Duffer's gold because I was watching the ITV post-match and I was like, I nearly dropped the remote because I had to go over so quickly because yeah. I forgot that Duffer was on. And it, what's so interesting about him, Adrian, is like, Okay, Roy King's box office on Sky and they love him for it because of his opinions. And I was thinking, geez, I wonder what Damien Duff translates to a British audience in Sky Sports. And I actually think, I don't think he would because I think he has this, uh, as you say, incredible ability to cut through the BS. But at the same time, he's not very Hollywood or box office and almost purposely so. I feel like, uh, in a production sense like you'd sit him down and he'd be like look Damien um, face the camera when you're talking and kind of be expressive and you know make, like, make it look like you're very interested and he'd just like nod and be like yeah okay that's fine yeah. and then he goes on air and he's just like I'm just going to do my own thing I think and that's surprised. Great. we seem surprised
4: that Duff is like this as a, as a, man, as a manager <laughs> oh, opponent, but yeah. was he not I, I think his, his post-match interviews when he was a player were fairly yeah. up to the point yeah but
1: I, I, as a player I I not expect it but I would say it's more understandable that yeah, a yeah. player wouldn't be in the mould of well this is a new career for me whereas Duffer as I know he's like doing great stuff with shells and he has a big future management if he wants that but the other side of it is this is pretty much the other career he could have and he has a take it or leave it approach which is so authentic it's admirable and it's not disrespectful because he's still respecting the people he's on with but it's a, in a sense that I'm just going to do this my own way and take me or leave me and if you don't want to invite me back next week that's no problem at all and there's something very endearing about that
2: He's like an embodiment of the Slaven village comment do you remember that one? Was to again? be honest, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Yeah, what was that yeah, yeah, yeah. one? So so yeah. Having a big debate about some equally oh, controversial incident. Yeah, that was, incident and was, that like, was brilliant. Slavin, what do you think? Yeah, and he yeah, sort of yeah. gave a half opinion, and, and the presenter called him out, and he went, ah, To be honest, I don't yeah, care. That, he's, he's Watford manager now, isn't he? Slavin. Oh, yeah. He's back in Most football. Yeah, he's been Slavin. Yeah, Kai Havertz uh, picked up man of the match in oh, Germany again last night, and was uh, brilliant. just uh, thanks for coming in. I think is the uh, I think we, short story. I don't But it's he uh, um, it looked so so sad.
1: Yeah, even if we don't like, even if we don't have it on uh, screen, there, there it is. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. I mean, for those who can not see it, like it's just the, the face Often. of death. Like because you know Germany's campaign's gone; it's dead. Mm. And <laughs> Kai Havertz comes on, does quite well, scores a nice well taken goal to equalize immediately uh, against Costa Rica. And then, as that face, like thunder afterwards. Imagine being named player of the match <laughs> after you just gone oh, knocked yeah, out of the World yeah, Cup yeah. twice in a row. Speaking of, um, Costa Rica, Jerry departed Owen Shane. Still alive, just. Still alive, in, in the OTB sense. Check out this video. scenes This is in Costa Rica. This is him, Costa Rica. He's in a bar in Costa Rica. Uh, this is. bucket hat. He picked his location enough. very well. He's in, a uh, El Mercadito. In uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. Yeah, this, yeah. And this is Costa Rica 2, Germany 1. Look at those Costa Rican fans. There was, I
2: thought it was three minutes. Kathleen pointed out before we came on air. 75, 75 seconds, seconds where they were qualified
1: for the... Uh, <laughs> but I was saying, uh, it, probably the best moment in Costa Rican World Cup history. And Owen was there to document it, as always. To yeah. document it. I mean, he took a 30-second video in front of the pub. Well, they beat Japan, didn't they? Uh, beat Japan what? in the group they beat Japan in the group no but they they beat Japan in the group but uh no just to, to go ahead against Germany against the might of Germany, Germany. <laughs> just, just your face well it's not as uh, if like
2: he did a you know Searing documentary on it.
1: Yeah, but like Jesus, you could like I mean, I'm sure uh, if you were around in Scorsese's early days, like oh, he documented that he, he's filming Mean Streets. God, did he really he just filmed a lot <laughs> mean of lads talking? Comparing
2: with own, uh, the, the other thing we'll mention before we get into your list of something that I'm not really quite sure. What it is, <laughs> so you have to self-intro that yourself. <laughs> is the um, Lukaku misses obviously that everybody's talking oh, about. Geez. It felt like um, looking back in some of them, he should have heeded the Gucci's advice of Do you remember that? Have Pass the ball into the net. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. try and. It feels like every time Lukaku goes at it, he's trying to burst the net. Yeah. burst the all, um, pass it, like caress it into the
4: net. He does try to smack it, not Listen he? to the gooch, Lukaku. He's, uh, it was the worst performance by a striker in World Cup history I'm just going to go out there and say
1: it was uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's probably there's, there's, I mean no, he's had a
2: load of chances you see is
1: no I mean for me the, the worst would be a, a totally ineffective display where you're not getting involved I mean at least he was in the right positions as, the, as former strikers would say about him Yeah, but he yeah. was just so uh, he just lacked so much match fitness it was a very like dream team-esque bad performance the TV series where, like, a striker's having such a nightmare that it's almost unrealistic, <laughs> and that's what was happening with chance after chance after chance. A lot of them, like, um, the only one that was bad was probably uh, the final, one all bad. but no, the Torgon see, Torgon Hazard uh, miscontrolled it, and then he, uh, he had an unbelievable crossing to recover. Maybe I, that one, I don't yeah, know what yeah. the goalkeeper was doing not coming out and catching it. The and last one, the defender. Sorry, when it just came out of him and he just chested that's it. That's that's the one I'm talking that's about, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Torgan Hazard has a loose first touch, and I think everyone was like, ah, oh, the chance is gone. Because he's going to come back and probably pass it back to his full-back or go back into midfield. But he amazingly recovered and swung a lovely cross there. But the keeper should have come out and got it yeah. and hesitated. And then it, came, and it was awkward for Lukaku because it was midriff. so could you go ahead or volley? Mm. I, at the time, it was like, oh my God, that's an unbelievable miss. And it's going to be a meme, unfortunately, for Lukaku for the next couple of years anytime he has a bad game at club level or if he becomes prominent again in the Premier League yeah. either in the Champions
4: League or comes back to the club that clip's going to be shown in association with a poor Lukaku display but the, I blame well, him that much It's the shocked look on his face after every chance where he's ahead in the hands and everyone's like Romelu none of us you are have surprised to do that. You have to do that You do that's, but like,
2: that's part of your contract Nobody
4: is surprised like, nobody's that surprised that he's missed because he's even there he's smashing the dugout after the match and honoree's consulting him on the pitch like There's a great stat on XG. I know Kevin Caban is one man who loves XG. Uh, He accumulated Lukaku more expected goals in the second half against Croatia, 1.98, than Morocco did in the entire group stage, 1.35. Morocco topped their group. Lukaku was woeful, woeful. Like he's he's like I don't know how Chelsea spent 100 million quid on on this player. I mean, even his time United United fans probably don't have much time for Lukaku. His attitude wasn't great either. He looks bigger now. Like he's he's a he's he always was a strong player, anyway. But um, I his think finishing that, is just—it it is that. It's panic. He I just think smacks the ball. He—he he put on a lot of mass uh, when he
1: signed for Manchester United, and he said he regretted that, and because yeah. um, it affected his speed. But like, look, there's a couple of points there. Like, first of all, Emma Carroll's saying here in her live doc, he's only played 31 minutes of football yeah. since the summer. I think that is—I think that's worthy of inclusion. Like, I that know she should be say, on the pitch. No, because because his goal record is such like he's Belgium's all-time top scorer, and if he has any chance at all, and you can say he had several chances yesterday, well, he'll, he'll finish them. But at the same time, I would definitely have put Lukaku on the pitch for that reason alone, because of his goal-scoring prowess. And then you sacrifice the fact, OK, he hasn't played an awful lot of football, so that's what's going to happen. Like With Lukaku, I think, the reason he got so much grief, even at United, which is what we all remember, like, mm-hmm. is because, it was first of all, it's a terrible time for United, it was a poor time to be there. And secondly... Lukaku had a knack, bit like Wayne Rooney, when he was having a bad game. He was horrendous because the ball would bounce off him. And there's nothing that football fans despise more or ridicule more than a professional player at the top level of the game having a poor first touch. Because mm. that's the first thing that's ridiculed at playground level. If you're growing up, if you have a bad first touch, people point that out. Whereas he could subtly be in the wrong place or not getting into the right positions. And a lot of people would miss that. But in fairness to Lukaku, he's always... Like pretty much in a good goal-scoring position, hence all of his goals scored. I want to be
2: as harsh on the kaku. I wouldn't. Ely, really? I no. just want to leave enough time to make sure as we get to your slot, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. Um, it's, it's definitely YouTube worthy. comments coming in here. Uh, Shane, we do like you, regardless. I don't know what that is, regardless oh, of from Spectre. Regardless, the
4: breathing because he, he, he's giving. Okay, a okay, before, okay. So.
2: Yeah, uh, it's a great top, but for the crest, let's be honest. Says Owen McCarthy. Who said that? Um, Owen? Says Owen, uh, Owen McCarthy. There, but it's a cork I shocking top on Cullum It hurts my eyes. Says McGill, oh, I'll just turn uh, off the video Mark McGill Owen I have the jersey anyway, version I, of that I actually call him it's the class of 92 yeah, it's, it's, it's the 1989-90
1: 9, jersey yeah.
2: uh, James Linsky uh, summarises basically what we've been discussing about for the last uh, 20 minutes so thanks a million James fair play to you FIFA should show a picture uh, that is why they gave it which I think is kind of what we're all saying here um, I, I can say conclusively that with all angles that your man in the blue top doesn't know what he's saying he's a Man U fan says Bohemian 29 maybe my top is get behind that Which blue? we're both blue um, bum, bum, loving Kenny Cunningham and RTE feels like uh, he's on a sugar rush most of the time Jim Sullivan you'll get no hatred towards Kenny here that's for sure um, the ball was out of play but FIFA needed to punish the uh, Germany for their minister wearing the rainbow armband um, Germany weren't good enough bum, 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 bum. what else have we got here uh, career's over after that for Lukaku says Damien. I mean, I don't. think that's, that's, so, that's ridiculous. Pure that's United not. era, Lukaku says. Andy. Well, it was United yeah, era. Yeah, I agree yeah.
4: with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fairer.
2: Uh, Duffer for a breath of fresh air says uh, Bruce. Not any, not uh, not anyone enough for BBC, but Sky might take a punt. I don't think it's even taking a punt on him because he's proven now that he's. Uh, but he can do both, Adrian. You're right, saying for-
4: oh, I'd love him to do punditry, but clearly he can do both. In the off season, he can be a pundit. Yeah, he, he seems
2: to do not as much of the punditry when he's knee-deep in the management. Yeah,
4: fair. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Do you know, give it all up, Shane, and concentrate on what really matters, we, my view on it. And uh, plenty more... Uh, can I just... Can I just... Before you get to call little yeah. slot, can I just point <laughs> out this... Whatever it is. Um, so I know, that was very <laughs> <coming> in. He's <laughs> a great <laughs> little,
4: sport. He's, he's, he's a little... Uh, he's a good boy. Uh, this, uh, so apparently the uh, English media... No, the, don't get carried away here, guys, but the English media are getting carried away, believe it or not. I don't know if this has ever happened during a major tournament. Spirit of 66, and they have... Uh, on the uh, pullout of the sun, photoshopped in Declan Rice's face for Bobby Murray. It's like Harry Maguire is probably Nobby Stiles. We have Luke Shaw, we have Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane, and Marcus Rashford. I I wasn't sure if the English media were getting carried away with, with the whole thing just yet, but then I, I woke up this morning, pulled out the, the this uh, pullout from the sun, and I was like,
2: it's the, reason, lads. "The reason you know that picture is definitely fake. Harry Maguire smiling." <laughs> I haven't seen this smile Harry Maguire as Nobby Styles I see oh, we,
1: we wanted to wait now To get Kev on to talk about this We've got to show Kev that Oh yeah we'll no, I, I will so show Kev He'll yeah, yeah. we'll we'll um, we'll we'll um, we'll have thoughts you'll What's have thought. this lot? What's the lot? Well no I was just thinking of a few World Cup thoughts I had Because I've been watching from afar And I haven't been able to talk about oh, it yeah. okay, okay, So let's have some this thoughts This is going to be see, fun This is what I was thinking of At the time Let's have I just wrote this down So you can react First own goal of the tournament Was scored yesterday this is my live notes. Mm. There's only one red card so far. That's crazy. Why is Gabby number nine? Yeah. Mm. Can, we th- can, we, can, numbers, we can we stop on that As one? Can we stop on that one? As in he should be number... He's what? a midfielder. What the hell is he number nine for? That's are so they're unattractive. They're not squad numbers, are they? <laughs> no, but give him... was uh, number be, ten, course. so... Uh, Gabby should be number nine. That's a red flag. Gabby for you. should be ten, and the censor should be nine. Because he's such a beautiful player, everything about him is number ten all over. Why is he number nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, that's fair. Uh, I have a jersey section, it's a mini section. Mm-hmm. So these are my jerseys, Uh I don't like the German uh, shirt numbers. They look very amateur. The Phantom them, very Sunday league. Okay. Uh, I also don't like the Netherlands chain style numbers. I uh, don't think they're very attractive looking. However, I do like um, Canada's shirt numbers and design. I like the little curved nine mm. uh, a lot. It's only gone as so far
2: as to actually have something to show us what you're talking about.
1: I know, I, I mean, if only I like, you know, wasn't sort out of here the whole show, but I mean, if people can just. Uh, it's your, your. If people can just think here. about it. But do you know this, what he's you know, talking about? I can't tell. Imagine. I
2: can't remember. Well, if you were watching it, the World Cup, you would know about us. this. If you were watching the World Cup,
1: you'd know about this, right? watching all of it. Hopefully the music's making this slap better. Uh, well, you so hear me, so that's probably that's. So the um. <laughs> a so the Canada yeah. one is very nice, right? And then also, I also like the lowercase i in the England jersey. So see Raheem Sterling, yeah, lowercase i. I think that's very nice. Uh, Gareth Bale's penalty was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, Chavez's free kick for Mexico ah. was the best goal of the tournament and will not be beaten. No, no, And I, no, I and no, I no, think no, 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 is Kevin De Bruyne. Is that De ke- Bruyne?
2: Was, was that the? Oh, that's my the that's my number
1: goal. two. Bubka my number uh, two. Top, top goal. What about Rashardison? Bubka my number two, right? Richarlison, like, Richarlison, no, R- no. That's the thing. You see, Rashardison is the the Hollywood answer. And also, Re- no, no, I- that's
4: recency bias. He's no, all now, when I was, oh, A free when kick when, can't when, be. Uh, hold on.
1: When I was in the background watching all of this, and I heard all the Rashardison stuff. You know, I've been storing all this stuff up, hence the notes. And I think free kicks get overlooked. No, as free kicks goals can't ever. be top Does goal. The they, they, they absolutely can't. Can. They
2: can't. Chavez is, is, is can't Kev, It's in Kev, the rules. If you look up okay. FIFA Rule 16.2, so we get his thoughts in FIFA it. Rule 16.2 says that a free kick cannot be voted as the top goal of the game. Okay, voter. you just made that up. Sure. And, and, uh, but honestly, free kicks get overlooked.
1: That whip, like Chavez hit it like a corner. Scoop, a scooped goal. Whipped in. The scooped goal. I like that one for the aesthetics, but Richardson's goal was the best goal. Okay, the skip, the skip, uh, the scoop goal was my number two. Uh, remember when Ener Valencia's goal in the first few minutes of the first game against Qatar was ruled out and everybody thought it was a conspiracy? And then we looked at it and was like, oh no, it was offside. Mm. That was good. And then Qatar became the worst team of all time. Then Qatar became the worst team ever. Uh, Argentina and Mexico was my math to tournament so far for the atmosphere alone. And then one last, uh, thought. Anaki Williams, when the Portugal goalkeeper Diego Costa threw the ball out, why did he not go to his left? Anaki Williams tried to go to his right and he slipped. If he just went to his left, it was completely open. He should have seen Robbie
2: Keane and Dion Dublin
1: so for reference what, points. So what,
2: what you're saying is that you spent the last two weeks compiling this list? No, I actually
1: compiled it last night. Right. Oh, I also, I missed out. Um I've a got, conspiracy, sorry, go on, Colin. Brazil's jersey is lovely. However, I do not care for South Korea's jersey as I do not like black and red
2: combinations. Japan never go wrong with their jersey, South Korea. I know, but I'm saying Japan. I appreciate the oh, yeah. two different countries. Japan, I mean, and, and this one is probably not the nicest one i have ever had, but still pretty nice.
1: Decent. Oh, the Japan one's lovely, yeah, but I, I didn't mention Japan in my notes there, I know, but no, I was no, talking about South that. Korea. i trying
2: to make something out of this.
1: No, just some points I had. And also, um, very old, the 20-year-old Croatia defender, oh my god, he looks like a ringer playing Sunday league. That guy is absolutely incredible. He's only 20, wore a mask for the tournament. If he wasn't defending unbelievably, like that great tackle against Lukaku when he had a tap-in, mm-hmm. he was running half the pitch and passing it off, Beckenbauer style. Yeah. What a player
4: they're my thoughts I reckon Danny, Danny Almo's missed late miss for Spain was a conspiracy he did. he hates the Germans <laughs> missed on purpose that, that goal would have put another goal for Spain would have the table changed nine times in two hours did you? it was just one of those mad. and didn't everyone uh, have the two qualification spots at some point I think,
1: like I, in, I, think I heard
2: Kevin Caban sniggering he enjoyed your
4: slot column I think <laughs> he
1: sniggered
2: uh, here in my okay, here, okay, well, come on come forth oh he has the top man. he's still wearing the same top yeah <laughs>
0: Top I'm goal, just wearing whatever I can when I get up in the morning, you know. Top goal of the tournament so
2: far? It's probably about two o'clock in the afternoon over there, is it not?
0: Three hours ahead. 10 o'clock. Yeah. 10.30, I think.
2: Um, but, um, uh, Top goal? Abubakar, surely.
0: Four o'clock. Abubakar's his class goal, yeah. I did not that. A scoop, Ken. Okay. You I, love I, A scoop. I, I, I love a scoop uh, I like the charlatans i I with you the, the free kick I think you're underselling that free kick from Chavez what a free kick that is the technique in that is unbelievable hmm. unbelievable technique in that goal uh, and he's going to be a player as well um, even though Mexico will mock um,
5: <laughs>
0: who what really think.
2: Um, which goal would you have uh, Which would you have the Chavez I, goal or the Abubakar goal top of the list
0: uh, well, uh, you know what, Abubakar wouldn't have done it because he thought he was offside. He honestly well, thought he was offside. He no, just, it's, it's true. He, but, just, he but that it, that would it was not a be a great goal. For. It was a great goal. No, it won't be. But he 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 would never have done that because he just thought he was offside. So he just scooped the ball. I liked it. I liked Mbappe's. Um, was it the first goal that he scored against um, Denmark? No, was it Denmark? Oh, Australia. He, did, was he did a little one-two. The one where he went down the the touchline and then the, it was Hernandez did the pullback for him, I think it was. It was a great little play um, and then he, he, he kind of finished it off at the end. Lovely play down the wing and Raheem Sterling's was a great team goal as well. Oh yeah. The Harry Kane, uh, where he whipped it in for, for Sterling, that was a great goal too. I, famous... I, I, I like Richarlison Richarlison just for the moment yeah. Brazil scoring mm. that type of goal so I'd go with Richarlison actually
4: started the World Cup off there was the famous Kevin Caban free kick remember was it against Wolves Kev you were playing for West Brom you were only a kid the ball was just ro- flicked I scored, back to I I,
0: I I scored yeah I used to score a few free kicks in, in the day Shane you know but that's probably one that, that was in a big derby so that one yeah, the, it was Chavez-esque just rose yeah. yeah. that's yeah. the one where
2: the commentator said and Kevin Kilbane said afterwards that he meant it <laughs>
0: No, is that was the, the overhead kick. Do you, you haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you actually pay attention to anything? Oh, that was Wait. that was that was the overhead kick against Southampton.
1: So Richardison for you is number two, yeah? And
0: Chavez number one. Well no,
2: no, don't no, no, no. stop putting no, words oh, in the no, mouth. No, 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 no. No, he said Rashardison I, I won.
0: Richardson I, I, won, yeah. yeah. I and but Chavez free kick, do not do not undersell. That that is technically an incredible that was like you remember Ronaldo? Something a bit different when Ronaldo scored the goal against Portsmouth, yeah. David James uh, for Man United, and it was like, wow, this is incredible because the free kick that Chavez hit. If you look at, you look at his technique as he hits the ball, it's he it kind of he, he hits up and down, and his foot, his foot like whips around the ball as he's as he's hitting it, so he gets all the pace and to, to get the the trajectory the way that it goes into the top corner, and um, that was unbelievable
2: unbelievable technique What a goal Abubakar yeah, won for me it's just it's a World Cup moment mm. it only happens at a World Cup you don't see that stuff happening anymore. I
0: know but honestly I still in my mind he would not He would never have I know done that it. but listen to thing he
2: only threw it at a World Cup yeah. Yeah. Karl Poporski
1: Euro 96 got him and moved to Manchester United yeah do you remember that big moment Abubakar also um, adds to it because he had a great celebration because he pretty much just stayed in spot when he eventually was well, allowed. which actually kind of reflected the goal as well like, yeah. yeah no but when it was allowed he you know celebrated well I um, like that Thanks for coming in, Colm. Are you, are you kicking me out? Are you finished? Is that your, is your slot done? Well, if I finish, then Kev will be able to see you too. So, yeah, I yeah, can okay. leave. Good man. All right. <laughs> All done. Um, I enjoyed it, Colm.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Kev. <laughs> Uh, coming, will, yeah. will we tell our audience what's coming up? Is that that will We go back to Kev, is that the way to do it? That's what we'll do. Right, it's nearly 8 o'clock, you're watching Gorto we're delighted to have you along with us this morning. We've so much to come between now and 10 this morning. Uh, we're brought to you by Gillette, in association with Movember, effortless shave, magnificent Mo, and you can sign up or donate now at movember.com. Uh, Kevin Caban, as you might have guessed, is standing by and <laughs> will be with us, I mean, again, in just a Boy, second. Yeah. Jasmine Baba, writer in all things German football, obviously such an interesting morning uh, there. Today, uh, following events last night, let's get Jasmine's thoughts on that last night. Michael Verney's going to look ahead to the double bill at Crow Park on Sunday. Um, the two Leinster uh, finals, hurling in football, one after another. So get his thoughts on that. He'll be joining us in studio. Anya Kinsla has just been appointed as the Wexford football um Uh, assistant manager and uh, we'll be getting on your thoughts she's got a trail of success behind her so what will she be bringing to the Wexford footballers we'll find out uh, for you at around about 9 o'clock this morning Alan Quinlan's going to look ahead to an Interpro derby this weekend between Leinster and Ulster but also some interesting news on the back page of the Irish Daily Mail this morning O'Shea in the mix it says or uh, if you may turn to the ex Ireland star as Jones feels the heat. Uh, so we'll get Quinny's thoughts on that. And if you have any other questions or comments for Alan Quinlan uh, about a quarter past nine, I just wanted to get them into us. And Damien Delaney in conversation with Nathan last night as well uh, after that. Now, surprise, surprise, Kevin Caban is with us. Kev, the, you were um, very down at Belgium's chances of progression um, earlier in the week. I mean, you were very much off the fence. Six and a half years later, Roberto Martinez has, uh, I don't know what he's done, but the quote was, I didn't resign, this is the end of my contract. And it just Felt to me, and I have to say, your words were definitely ringing in my ears when I uh, heard him say that. But even at such a low ebb, it's not a, an amazing look to still be trying to manage your own reputation.
0: No, no, and um, it's, it's, it's where, where they've gone in that, in that time, they haven't really gone anywhere, have they? I, you know, I, I heard you guys, I think you were talking about it yesterday, and I think I heard Shane saying, Yeah, the number one in the world, and take nothing away, it's, it's a great achievement to become that side, but it's it is about doing it in the major tournaments and the and they should have done that certainly the euros last time out world Cups and things like that it's about it's about getting that momentum for the big tournaments and I think i I don't think he's a sort of manager that's going to be able to manage a team through which would usually be four weeks or three weeks before a tournament and then four weeks so you're away for six seven weeks um of time away during a tournament i, I can I can imagine that uh that the team didn't necessarily come together during that spell. I mean, I know he's only had a week to prepare for this one. I think that probably probably would have helped him, but the cracks had already started to show with Belgium a long time before the tournament started.
2: Mm. The Germany stuff. What did you make of the whole goal situation last night? We've been debating it here. This yeah, morning. we're
0: trying to. Yeah, we were trying to trying to get everything to get trying to get our heads around it because there was so much happening in the game, and at one stage, Costa Rica and uh, and Japan were both through. Okay, we missed the balls from the night before. We were We did the Canada game yesterday, so by the time we got back we oh, just okay. missed the start of the match, but we got most of it we got nearly all of it we probably missed the first ten minutes of the game um and the night before I missed the buzz I was at the I was at the Argentina Poland game, so I missed the buzz of watching it on TV and what was happening and things like that whereas last night we got a bit of a feel for it so we we, we had be on so it was a, a little bit of keys and gray watching what was happening on both on both sides you know <laughs>
2: You just leave that hanging there, yeah?
0: <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, you, you, sorry, you asked me a question. What I made of it? Um, I know it was. Uh, I, you're half wanting as much as you want the big teams to be. You know, you want be on a big quarter final, a big semi final. The romance in us all wanted Japan, and Costa Rica to do it because honestly, I've seen so much of Costa Rica how they beat Japan and how they nearly beat Germany. They defensively, they're they're awful. Like they are genuinely awful at the back. Um, Kelo Navas covers up a multitude of errors for them. Mm. Going forward, they're not great. They've got a bang average team. Honest to God, bang average. They wouldn't be getting in in our Irish team, half of those players. That is the truth. They would not get in our Irish team. But I wouldn't say half. I'd say nearly all the players wouldn't get in the team. So for them to do what they did and beat Japan after getting beat seven, seven was about right, I thought, when, when they lost to Spain. I thought, yeah, this is this is Costa Rica. And for them to have a good go at it, I think it shows that it's not all about you know. It's about just having a will to win sometimes, and, and showing a, a, a bit of steel, and showing a little bit of passion, and you know the cliched words that everyone uses. But we've seen it with so many teams in this tournament: Tunisia getting a win, and Saudi Arabia getting the wins, and things like it's Australia. I mean, how many Australia players were getting the Irish side, and they're in the last sixteen. It's just when you see these sides doing what they're doing, and. It's not by great football at times, but it's 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 shown a little bit of togetherness, a bit of fight, and it shows what you can do sometimes with a little bit of steel and togetherness.
4: We were talking this morning, Kev, about how uh, that result last night now means because Spain finished second, that Spain avoid Brazil, Argentina side of the draw until yeah. the final, which is which is great if if that uh, you know I guess um, finishes in a Brazil Spain final. But does last night change how we feel about Spain? Are they still the team that, that we're kind of building them up to be?
0: um I, again i i mean i i couldn't really judge that costa rica performance i i mm. said that when we were talking the other day to a few of the guys over here i said costa rica are bad honestly they're bad so for them to beat them seven it didn't really change my mindset spain will do the same whether they play against brazil or whether they play against costa rica and um, they they'll they'll keep the ball in front of in front of teams even watching them last night japan were kind of quite comfortable they were just going all right you have the ball no problems at all, you're never really going to run in behind us, You're not. we're not going to give you the space to run in behind us and if that's the case, as we saw at the Euros I found 18 months ago, it, they don't really have runners in wide areas running in behind constantly that's going to hurt you, that's going to open teams up. I probably prefer Asensio playing as the nine, He they look better when he plays there, Morata, again, doesn't doesn't necessarily seem to me with Murata on your side that he's going to constantly cause problems for defenders and he's gonna and he's gonna get his goal and take his chance, although he scored a decent goal against Germany. So I, I don't know, I d I don't I, I, I never would have, have Spain maybe in my top four or five. They may make a quarter final and I think that'll be good for them but I think when they play against a side that's really going to go and attack them and want to win a game, I, I think Spain will fall short again.
2: Like when you look at Pedri and Gavi, for example. Like uh, I was reading an article yesterday that was comparing them to the other two greats, obviously that went uh, went before them um, with Iniesta and Javi. And, um, Xavi and uh, I mean, they're not at that level yet, but it does feel like feels like a tournament a coming of age almost for them in a way that, like I know you're saying, obviously maybe outside the top four or five, but players like that who'd have been. Not obviously not unknowns but if it's a coming of age tournament for them and they they build their way in and suddenly before before we know it like they're in the semi-final and we're all sort of hindsight merchants going well these these, these players are amazing yeah. and why, why wouldn't the, they be there
0: the, the, the thing is they, they, could, they could do that and that's, that's the ability they've got but I'm not being funny neither Gavi um, nor Pedri on the level of Iniesta from what Iniesta and I know that Javi was a great player that made the game tick over and he was great at dictating the tempo of a game and everything like that. And I, I could see Gavi or Pedri having that type of ability, but Iniesta was on a different planet. Iniesta was just what he was. He, he could do everything. He could pass, dribble. He could tackle, actually, as well, Iniesta. So, no, I don't see that combination. I don't see those two being at that level. I don't. I, I don't ever see them reaching that level. And again, who's to say... What's going to happen in four or five years' time? There's still only young, young, young footballers that will improve. But Iniesta was special, very, very special. I think we we under mm-hmm. we, we, we maybe underplay it or we we don't necessarily see how good Iniesta was um, for the time and uh, for the time that he's playing. But no, Iniesta. Just off off the scale, how good Iniesta was. I
2: was watching that documentary in the BBC recently. I think it was called "How to Win a World Cup" something like that, and he featured heavily in it. And the way with which his peers speak about him is evident that he was uh, he was off the charts good. Really special player. Um, mm. Canada going home, but you're staying put. Is that the plan?
0: That's the plan. Yes. Um, yeah, they're gone. Obviously, they were gone after the um, the Croatia match. That was it, done and dusted for them. So. Uh, yeah, we just—I just look forward. Now we've got—we uh, have the game this evening. I—I I, I can't even remember who's playing this evening. Now, top of my head, it's just—it's been—it's been a crazy ten days or so. It's just going from one to the next. So, I'm in for the late games tonight. So, uh, looking forward to looking forward to the games. Brazil tonight, isn't yeah, it? Brazil, Cameron, Brazil
4: and, and Serbia, Switzerland.
0: Yeah, I mean that'll be a cracker. Cameroon, uh, sorry, Switzerland, Serbia will be. There'll be a little bit of a meet in that one. Um, after maybe the last time they faced each other with the Jacker and Shakiri situation with the, with with the Serbian side. So that should be a good a good game. I fancy Serbia from the start. Um but they've got internal problems I think within their squad um at the moment which is probably causing them a few issues and uh, I think looking forward uh, to seeing Brazil again I think you, you can't look forward to seeing Brazil and what they're going to bring but the one thing I've liked about Brazil or seeing, seeing them as I said I was at the game the other night and the 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 tempo at the start of the game it's quite a bit of a slow build up and up to 45 minutes there's there's almost um you know a a build of something special something waiting to happen and then you'll get to 60 minutes and the last 30 minutes is almost like a frantic game to watch they they make a couple of substitutions every single player that comes onto the pitch is I wouldn't necessarily say better than the one before, but they're, they're almost as good, certainly as good as the, as the player that they're coming on for. And they've almost got something to prove by not being in the side. So the last 30 minutes of every, every Brazil game up to now has just been amazing, amazing to watch. And I think it'll probably be the same tonight against Cameroon.
4: It's mad because you're looking at the permutations of that group. It, 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 Switzerland can't really afford to be negative, but they know a point will be enough against Serbia if Cameroon fail to beat Brazil, which is which is likely, so they know what yeah. point should do. But Serbia have to go out there and win, which just makes the game more interesting, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, and and if, they're op- if they open up Serbia as they did against Cameroon, I mean they should never have drawn that game from a, a comfortable three-one position. It looked like they were going to go win four and five, and they just opened themselves up. It was terrible defending. How you know the, the pace that Cameroon had, and they were just showing them the right side of the field constantly. It was just little through balls that were, that were going in. Um, I think, I think Serbia themselves in, in the match though, Shane, I think they showed me enough that they can actually cause a lot of problems in an open teams up. And I, and I think they'll go for it. But Switzerland, are that type of side, probably the most underrated team over the last 20 years, Switzerland, they're not great to watch, but they get, if you want a team to get the job done, and if you want a team that you're comfortable in saying they there, there could be any side, Switzerland can actually absolutely just do any side in the, in the, in this tournament because of how they play. So um, I don't know I, as much as I fancied Serbia before the tournament seeing Switzerland the way that they play again I, I think they probably get the job done tonight I think, I think it's probably going to be a draw uh, maybe Switzerland later on after, after Serbia leave themselves a little bit exposed
2: We'll get your last 16 predictions maybe in a minute but um, just on Canada I saw the coach saying afterwards that they, uh, they bent but they didn't break is he kind of telling a bit of a half-truth?
0: Uh, I just think that the way that they lined themselves up in the two games, um, there was a lot of talk about the F Croatia quote, quote when he when he spoke about Croatia after the Belgium game, and it gave motivation to Croatia. We we we're from a part of the world where we jump on anything, and we make we make probably a big a bigger deal than it actually was. And I think a lot of Canada didn't expect Croatia to react the way that they react. We know Croatia; they jump on anything like that. You're disrespecting our country, you're disrespecting our, our culture, our people. And they jumped all over it, and they used it. They used it to, to beat to beat Canada, but more so tactically in that game. I, anyone who's seen who's seen Croatia know the strength, the midfield three best in the tournament, and they they just didn't play a three-man midfield. It was like watching Ireland against Spain in, in 2012, where you know Keith Andrews and and our boys were trying to chase Iniesta, and mm-hmm. I, I can't move the three-man midfield they had that day in Spain. But Iniesta was definitely one of them, and. We, we just couldn't get near them on, on that occasion. It was it was almost identical to that scene. The three, the rotation, Perisic was getting in the game out wide, and they they then went forward to to the game yesterday, and just played the same way against Morocco. Morocco's midfield three is probably one of the strength as well. Morocco, a good side by the way, and I, I fancy Morocco to, to beat Spain as it turns out. Morocco, it is Morocco Spain, isn't it? I I, I think Morocco might beat them. Um, right, but uh, um, but. Jeez. but Morocco's, That's a bit of a Morocco's, bombshell to just Morocco's drop into mid, the chat. Mid, mm-hmm. I know, I know. We'll, we'll talk about that one in a minute. But Morocco's midfield three is a strength. And he went with a two again. He's gone with a two against the, the strength in midfield. And in the wider areas then, Ziyech and, and Hakimi are brilliant down the right for them. They've got a real good understanding how they play play together. There's a bit of madness about them, but there's also a, a really good understanding of how to defend certain situations. And uh, I, 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 I couldn't believe how he lined them up. I, I just... The, they lost the game in 20 minutes and they lost the, the Croatia game from 20 minutes uh, into the match to maybe 60 minutes the game was done before they decided to put an extra man in midfield and it was exactly the same yesterday they lost the game in 25 minutes and second half they had a goal, but Morocco got themselves back into shape and were fairly comfortable really
2: Xavi <clears throat> uh, Busquets and Xabi Alonso um, as well as in Yester and, uh, Torres and Silva yeah
0: and they, they, they narrowed up in that game, Adrian, and it was it was such a hard watch watching watching the lads that night because they were just keeping the ball in the middle of the park. And we, I think they, I think they had a it was it might have been a, a tournament record at the time for the most passes. I think it was over a thousand passes in the game that they had, and we, we were. Uh, I just felt for, for them all because of the overload in, in the central position. We just couldn't get near them.
4: Uh, Kev, Japan, Croatia's <clears throat> jumping out to me as a potential <clears throat> blockbuster round of 16 game. Like, you, you've got, I mean, their manager Moriasu has masterminded wins over, you know, Luis Enrique and Hansi yeah. Flick teams having been 1 0 down at half time in both. Like, are we yeah. sleeping on Japan a bit? How far can they go in this tournament? Croatia's not an easy last 16 tie.
0: No, I don't think they'll beat Croatia. I think right. Croatia are too good. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see enough of the game yesterday against Belgium. Really, I know Belgium had chances actually to win it. Lukaku missed a couple of sitters, didn't he, in the game? But um, I, I really fancy Croatia. I think. I think that midfield three in that game a little bit more rest, perhaps going into the Japan game. Japan just did the energy that they bring, and that's that's where I think they could hurt the back line. Um, like Lovren still in that side. Uh, I, I, Gavardio is just well, I don't know. He he could be anything he wants to be really in the future. So um, defensively is where I'd look at Croatia, but I, I I really think they're going to start to to control that game. And I think as the as the game wears on, uh, Modric, I mean Kovacic against Croatia, his his stats back up back up stats that Loth Mateus was was producing in, in Italian ninety in terms of tackling. I think he had ninety three percent pass completion and. He was just incredible, Kovacic. And everyone was talking about Modric in that game, but it was actually Kovacic and Peris, Perisic. They've got a, a lot of different facets to how they can beat aside Croatia. I, I, I think they're going to have too much for Japan.
2: Before you do that, one yeah. quick one here, because there's a good comment in here from you, uh, somebody on YouTube. Bri says, the question is, what Ireland player will get into any of their teams? Nada. Which I think is a bit harsh, Not because every- we'd have a couple of goalkeepers no, that I could think- definitely walk into most teams, at
0: least. I know, I'm talking about Australia. I think every, uh, I think probably our starting 11 would get into Australia's starting 11. Definitely. Right, you just totally swapped Well, their goalkeeper's actually okay. Matt Ryan's a decent goalkeeper. Our back four's better. Collins, Duffy, whoever you want to put in our back four. fullback, sure, yeah. Doherty would, would play ahead of them. Uh, Seamus Coleman, uh, if you're going to play James McLean, our back four would play ahead of Australia's midfield. Cullen would get ahead. Um... I think he's a decent player, actually, um, but I, I still Brown. think we'd have better players. And and up front, whoever Ogbeni, nice. uh, Parrot, um, Knight, Ida. yeah, Knight. I mean, yeah, honest. Look, look, honestly, look at the team and look at the team. I, I honestly think you'd be hard pushed to pick an eleven that would be um, that would be better. Australian eleven to say be better than ours. I no, I don't see that.
4: Just briefly, Kev we were talking about this headline in the in the Sun this morning. They've got their uh, their pullout Spirit of '66, and they've photoshopped. Declan Rice's face in for Bobby Murr they've photoshopped Harry Maguire oh. in there as well. Um what a they're, they're really what getting shock, carried away. It. I mean, John Giles said last night if he was to put a few bob in anyone at the moment to win the tournament, it would be England. So Yeah. Is it is, is it coming home?
0: Giles is forever neutral like that, isn't he? Um <laughs> They're good, they're good, aren't they? Um I you have to say it and I think however whichever way he found to put Foden in the side, they they the I just think he'd give he, – it's more for an opposition as well. Then the opposition know how good Foden is. So all of a sudden, Foden's on the team sheet, and it's like, we're going to have to make special allowances for this guy. He's taken with that him? and went – yeah, he's got to play, agent. He's the best player. Why, why? How can you not play him? How mm. can How can you not play Foden? And if he doesn't, he's going for energy again, and I think they might fall down on a little bit of guile because the, the only thing I'd say is with, with Cameroon, Cameroon uh, sorry um Senegal Senegal are, are such a powerful strong side and, and the running ability could hurt England certainly in in wider areas Kyle Walker being in the side certainly going to help England I think from from that aspect but I and, think and when Rashford, it, it Rashford too or... no I could see I because he's got two goals he's probably going to start him mm. with, if you look at the first game against Iran he, he kept the same side and there was hardly any any team that played the same eleven. I was surprised he just went with the same eleven. I thought he just would have made two changes, you know, maybe take Mount out, and even though I thought Mount played well against Iran, um, maybe put Foden in and Sterling. Even though he got the goal, I think he could have he could have dropped Sterling and took him out, and maybe even put Trent Alexander-Arnold in at right back against the USA in that second game. Well, I mean, you know, it's something that we've I've spoken to you guys about in the last few days anyway. But he he decided to go with the same eleven and. It didn't work. It, I, I think I think he has to make one or two changes, and where are those changes going to be? Um, probably, I would say, which I don't think he's going to do, but I think I'd probably take Henderson out. I'd probably put Mount as an eight, just for the uh, uh, maybe a little bit more energy that he might bring to the side. I, I think Mount can absolutely play as an eight, and I and I'd play Bellingham an eight because you've al- you've always got the stability of of playing um, Declan Rice as, as a sitter anyway, and I'd probably keep. I'd be. I, I think it'd be harsh to drop one of that front three, but maybe maybe Rashford might come out. But because he got the two, I think Southgate will definitely start him. Mm. So if, I, if I'm thinking about it in my head and how he would do it, I think he's probably going to go with the same 11, even though I do think he should make changes. All
2: right, well, we'll see. Uh, certainly doesn't seem to be uh, too many people giving uh, Senegal a shake of it. We'll see how it uh, pans out and catch up with you down the track. There, there's, Thanks, always
0: C- there's, there's always hope. There's always hope. Always hope. Eh? <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed.
2: I, I, I understand the point. Good man. <laughs> Good luck.
0: Take it easy,
2: take it easy. Kevin Cobain on the line, uh, live from the World Cup. It is uh, 18 minutes past eight. You're watching o 2 pm and uh, we're delighted to be in your eyeballs and your ear holes this morning. And uh, if you have any comments for us about the football or the rugby coming up a little bit later on, do feel free to uh, get in contact with us. You're watching o brought to you with Gillette, in association with Movember, effortless shave, magnificent moan. You can sign up or donate now at com. We're going to um, be Chan to in just a few moments time, but you can check out the lunchtime wrap today, a reminder about that, all the very latest sports news it's all with thanks to Deliveroo you can check out the app for some great match day meal deals across the World Cup Deliveroo food, we get it after the break we're going to delve into what went wrong with uh, Germany knocked out of the group stages of the World Cup for the second time in a row we're going to be chatting with the German football analyst Jasmine Baba OTB. 20 past 8, OTB AM, and delighted to say uh, we're joined on the line now to talk about Germany's exit from the World Cup last night by the German football writer Jasmine Baba. Welcome back, Jasmine.
5: Thank you for having me again.
2: Thanks, William, for for jumping on. It's uh, an absolute catastrophe, was the words of uh, Thomas Muller after the game last night, and there was various versions of that from uh, former and current uh, players in the aftermath. The second World Cup in a row that they don't get out of the group. How's it all gone down with the German public?
5: Not very well, as you'd expect. There was a lot more expectation coming into this tournament and a lot of disappointment now. It's all over for the second time in a row. Um, And it's a little bit unfathomable because especially fans around Germany have expected quite a boom in performances. We've had a German team win the Europa League. We have talents like Jamal Musiala and to not come out of a group stage once again is very bitter. It's a very bitter aftertaste over here.
2: Mm. The, like it's a whisker, isn't it? Like the paint on the ball, and we still, as of like twelve hours after the game, haven't fully seen an absolutely conclusive angle that the ball was over the line. Obviously, in the um, the Japan-Spain game, it's crazy fine margin. Are people or you know the squad leaning on that as a well, just for that thing? We would have still been there. So things aren't properly. Uh, aren't really bad we were you know we were hard done by here are they leaning on that
5: no i don't think so a lot of the blame um concerning players and coaches ex players pundits have been more to the fact that they should have done better against japan and failing that game against japan they needed a win against spain and that's what it's really boiling down to with the players at the moment um they knew that if It was a result to go in the other game. They had ultimately failed because they can only take their own performances into the future and look back at that. So the reaction around the goal hasn't been as great as in other countries and other medias, but um, there has been some analysis over that goal, but everyone seems to be in agreement that it was a goal and it was up to what Germany did and less about what Spain or Japan did. They know they um, needed that win or at least a draw against Japan they failed that. They did not get a win against Spain. And last night's result ultimately was not enough for them to go through.
2: Mm. It's kind of man-shaft, uh, Jasmine, was the comment that I was seeing coming up, uh, mostly from the Vox to German fans. Is that it? We're, we're not a team? Is that the general uh, takeaway?
5: Yes. Um, I think in terms of, again, talent, there are players there and they do play well as a team I don't think we've seen the worst performances especially compared to the last World Cup and even in the Euros they were looked more like a team they played really well it was some in some cases them not finishing off their chances against Spain it was maybe being playing a bit too safe for the draw and not going for more um, and even last night, there's just around questions around Hansi Flick's tactics, his game plan going into this. There's several things you can pick up on, including that Hansi Flick has had a year and doesn't know his starting 11. He used four different right backs in three games. He has changed the defensive line, a different centre-back pairing. Different front three just behind the striker as well. It doesn't seem apparent that Hansi Flick knows exactly what his best squad is. And a year having this team, you should at least have an idea and have a starting lineup strong enough. There's questions about who he took on top of his actual tactics and game plan on top of this. So it's less about the team where a lot of players get the blame, but more. Was Hansi Flick's decisions actually correct this time around?
4: Yeah, like we we asked you, I think Jasmine, the last day you were on, if Hansi Flick is a good coach, and I know he's won a lot of trophies and he's done well at club level, but I mean, he just doesn't know his starting eleven, as you say, which in a World Cup is a fairly damning indictment.
5: Yeah, it is, and I was being a bit more diplomatic last time. <laughs> uh, as I said, if you've won a lot at club level, then you surely can't be a bad coach, but some of the decision-making I saw last night, it's as well as against Japan, um, if you don't take note of these kind of mistakes, and you can see on the pitch these mistakes happening, for instance, if you take Gundogan off against Japan, you start committing um and you start being able, you start conceding, sorry, more chances from counterattacks, and then you do the ex- Exact same thing last night, which completely derailed the stability of the team and actually gave Costa Rica a chance back into the game. If he, I can see that as an analyst. Why is his him and his team not seeing that? Why did you only take one right back who doesn't even play um, a lot in his own team against other right backs who do? There were all of these questions. And I can't say for certain that he's a good coach following this because there were just so many mistakes um, from so many levels, as I said, tactically, as I said, building the squad, taking the squad with him. A lot needs to be answered from both the DFB and Hansi Flick.
4: Should Hansi Flick resign and will he?
5: If you look at history, Hansi Flick normally is successful and then steps down when he feels like the time is right. This is the only time I've seen him be unsuccessful and not actually step away. Um Well straight away we saw roberto martinez after the belgium match basically resigning on the spot we haven't seen such a thing with Hansi flick yet it's more um i'm going to talk to the dfb and come to a conclusion together these talks can mean anything these talks can mean that he stays in the position. It might mean they choose to go a different way. Um, From a German point of view and from what I've seen, I would hope that was his last game as German manager, Um, but we'll have to see.
2: The... um... Uh, Diddy Hamann on Irish TV last night said it was a shambolic representation of German football. You have Klinsmann saying a disaster ten, uh, times ten, um, and you know, I, obviously, a lot of the. And when you were on the last time, you were chatting a lot about like the production line of players and maybe the lack of players in certain key positions. Um, both of Hamann and Klinsmann's former teammate Oliver Bierhoff is in a pretty powerful position uh, with the German Federation director of football. Does he shoulder some of the blame for this?
5: I would say he has to. Um, the development of players is one thing. I think people haven't, it, people around the DFB, including Oliver Bierhoff, have not taken into consideration how the last World Cup was had gone and the dev- development of players since that time. So we've talked about the last time I was on the number nine role and how we've had a development problem that we're not creating enough. Uh, box present number nines like Nicholas Fulkrug, they're more winger strikers like Timo Werner, Karim Adeyemi. So that that since then nothing has been done to really address that issue. But now we're getting a bigger issue with Germany's not really producing any fullbacks because in 2014 lev won the World Cup with four centre backs. And I feel like everyone thinks their fullbacks has to be a kind of centre back fullback. And those kind of problems and that kind of administration also the blame lays at his door too, in part. Although, as I said, these problems do add up, but this competition had enough good players, had enough talented players to get out of the group stage. And I think that blame lies at Hansi Flick.
4: Could it be the end of an era in terms of Thomas Muller as well? Like, Starting ahead of Musiala, Musiala was probably one of the, the bright sparks for for Germany across the tournament. Never mind last night, but could be the end of an era with Thomas Muller.
5: Yep, and it definitely sounded it was going that way last night in his interview, where he basically gave an emotional monologue saying that he doesn't know yet if he will still be around um, for the next World Cup, likely. Is that he's not at um thirty-three. He could be still around for the Euros um in two years' time, where he'll be thirty-five. But he gave a very emotional monologue saying that it's been it's been good, it's been bad, um, the times he's had with the fans, but ultimately above all, it's been fun. And I mean, it just sounds like he's gonna hang up his boots from the national team but it's not only Thomas Miller at 33 um, Goretzka was uh, not Goretzka sorry Joshua Kimmich was also asked if he was going to hang up his in- international boots he's only 27 he'll be 31 in the next World Cup but those kind of questions are being asked of the latter 20 players as well mm. and before we even get to the latter 20s we do have quite a few 30 year olds in this uh, the squad um, Manuel Neuer 36 is 29 um, Gondwan. On Gundogan 32, yep, yeah, exactly. Jonas Hoffman is that 30 as well. So uh, Mario Goethe, who's just come back after a good bit of form, also 30 years old. So this is not the competent uh, the the competition we wanted Germany to be like. In this, the start of a transition period, and we're suddenly seeing that they could be once again with all these players who could be like, okay, I won't be around for the next World Cup. They could still be in the Euros. I think a lot of them will give that their last hurrah. But yes, there's a massive kind of just change at player level as well. I don't think a lot of them will stick around if Hansi Flick might still be coach for them.
2: Flick does go. Are there any obvious names that have been discussed, Jasmine, as potential replacements?
5: Not of uh, of the moment. I think national team head coaches team seem to be a little bit random. Um, if you look at all levels, they never anyone obvious. Um, there's obviously quite a few free head coaches, coaches, um, so, But yeah, no names have been listed as of yet. I think it was easier before because Hansi Flick was obviously the assistant manager of uh, Yugi Live at that time, but we don't have anyone with a strong coaching background to be like, ah, yeah, that person will fit. Obviously, there's um, people like Thomas Tuchel still on freeze, but I doubt any of those will um, go into um, international country football just
2: yet. Is Klinsmann beyond the realms of possibility as a return? Is that a ludicrous idea?
5: Yes, definitely (laughs) uh, beyond the realms of possibility. Um, If it wasn't for the English-speaking media, I think I would forget that he is German and exists in this country.
2: Mm -hmm. Klopp, obviously, is another one that often gets mentioned and it's probably going to happen for him at some point down the track, but um, his Liverpool ties seem to be a little bit strong maybe for now.
5: Yes, but obviously Liverpool are going through some sort of changes at um, board level and ownership level, which could infect, uh, could uh, influence his decision about the future. Um, we know that it's not been the easiest season for Jurgen Klopp, even though they are still performing at some at some point we don't know what really is happening there but if there are too many changes we could see him like there were at Dortmund we could see him step away and that would be i in my opinion a perfect fit
4: i guess the, the one advantage jasmine for the next manager whether it is Hansi Flick or someone to replace him is that germany qualify automatically as hosts for for the next major tournament so i mean at least there there is that focus and something to to build on
5: Yes, and I think that's exactly what this team needs. Um, Jürgen Love made it a precedent to almost have player blocks from Bayern and Dortmund during his time, or the best two teams, let's just go with that, which were Bayern and Dortmund at that time. And the majority of the players came from these two teams. Um, Right now, though, Dortmund isn't the second best team or not regularly or far ahead second best team and i feel like that needs to be taken into account i think there were a few odd selections that could have been well um best used within other teams such as freiborg and um cone and etc and i think the new manager needs to be a little bit better at um picking the best um, players from these teams and not relying on the bigger player blocks that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years from Germany.
2: Jasmine, thanks a million.
5: Thank you so much.
2: Thanks a lot, Jasmine Baba, writer on all things uh, German football, joining us to uh, discuss the fallout from Germany's exit last night. And I'm sure it'll run and run as to whether, I'm sure there'll be some sort of a statement um, in the not too distant as to whether your man is coming or going.
4: Yeah, I think um, if anything... If if last night decided anything in our heads, Adrian, it's that the format for this forty eight team World Cup needs to be looked at very carefully by FIFA. Mm. Like the a three team group just doesn't have the jeopardy of last night. No. They're talking about pre match penalty shootouts and all this garbage. Um and no doubt FIFA will choose the least desirable option, as they tend to do. Um <clears throat> but I think getting rid of that jeopardy we have in the final round of group games is a real danger for the next World Cup.
2: What uh, pre match penalty shootout? I don't know how it's gonna work. I mean there's like on the face of it, I'm not against it. <laughs> I know. Listen, I mean, I don't. Want one for siding with the uh, with the suits here, but yeah. like, jeez, I'm off. I mean, I don't know quite how that even that would work. I don't know how it's, it works, but but there's just a
4: lack. There, there's going to be a lack of jeopardy in the 48 team World Cup. If, if no, I agree with that.
2: Work. There has to be has to be four teams. Yeah, and I think I think there were some indications I saw in some of the papers today that uh, there was a possibility that they may relent on that, and they you, should. You'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Um there's some all sorts of ads comments coming in but uh, who should take what job um, Raj for the Germany job was one of them here from Bruce Robbo fan club he's been linked with every other gig so I mean yes. like why not, uh, why not be in the mix for that but it does look like he's a uh uh, regardless of the links with the Germany gig you might be staying in France uh, Righto, oh it is uh, 8.35 it's Friday morning you're watching OTBM and we are delighted to have you with us this morning with loads of comments coming in not all of them make sense like that one but uh, if you've got any comments about the football you've been watching or about the rugby to come over the weekend or anything else beside indeed about the Club GA this weekend do get them into us please Braeburn Coffee is the official partner of OTB the festive season of course is officially here so why not enjoy a shot of gingerbread goodness in your Braeburn Coffee today it's available at an apple green uh, location near you uh, stores nationwide and uh, you can pick up your coffee there up next Michael Verney GA writer in studio we're going to preview the double bill of uh, Leinster final games at Croke Park on Sunday before all of that Aisling O'Reilly was in the streets of London this week to talk with some England fans Uh, much to Shane's delight of course take a look
0: it's coming home for Christmas come on England it's coming home for Christmas come on England
6: (laughs) (laughs) I'm live from London, I've an hour to kill before my flight and I thought, what better way to spend my time than speaking to the English fans.
5: It's coming (laughs) home for Christmas!
3: Yeah, they looked good last night. Big contrast to the game against America, so yeah, no, happy with it.
6: Do you support England? Yes. 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 Rob, do you support England?
3: Uh, I do, yes, yes.
0: England they alright, but Wales well, it was nowhere one chance never made a chance for 90 minutes 95 minutes no chances no goals yesterday I had
5: lots of free um, Lions playing after the
6: Wales game so, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. uh, if Ireland were in the World Cup that you'd be cheering for Ireland
7: absolutely yeah I guess the proof is in the pudding he's taken us to a final and a semi-final yeah. but um, to be honest I think if he doesn't do doesn't win it I think
0: we've got to look elsewhere because we've got so much talent on this team
6: so is it coming home for Christmas? Of course, of course.
0: England, got every chance.
6: OK, the biggest question, yeah. is it coming home for Christmas? Yes, it is.
2: Come on, England. <laughs> we're going
1: to do it.
6: Do you yes. think they can win it?
1: I think so. If they keep going the way they're going, they can uh, do the job.
6: So you don't think it's coming home for Christmas?
1: No,
0: absolutely not. No. <laughs> I'm from Offaly, Tullamore County, Offley.
6: And how long are you living here in London? Uh, since 1979. Wow. So the big question, Patrick, who do you support in the World Cup?
5: Uh, I think Argentina will win. Yeah? Yeah.
6: Very good. And do you support England that you're living here so long? No. <laughs> no. no, like definitely no. no. No,
5: no. I only came here to take Her Majesty's money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that appealed something about that that to she, appeals to Shane Hannan's uh, take the Queen's money speaks to you. it's the King's money now of course uh, 20 tonight almost out to be Michael Verney good morning to you that's how we eat you're eating up this World
7: Cup stuff I'm not you haven't seen a minute of it no I haven't watched a minute of it no to be honest with there's you. no interest just, just doesn't interest me Uh I don't know, yeah, I was just chatting Shane off there. I'd much rather keep in tune with the snooker and different mm. bits and pieces. I'm a creature of habit now. I used to love soccer, but just kind of, I just kind of went away from it. I don't know. When it kind of went really commercial or whatever, mm. and it went on Sky, probably a lot of it, I just probably stopped watching a lot of it, yeah. Will you watch, like, when it gets to the final, will even curiosity sort of dry in? Or no? I'll probably be somewhere where it'll be on or be around a few boys or something like that. But, uh, i like, I haven't watched a minute of it. I have a fair idea of what's going on and, <laughs> Stayed in tune with the drama last night and you have to go on Twitter to see right. whether the ball was across the line or, wh- or yeah. whether it, whether it <laughs> wasn't and the angles are fascinating as well Yeah, um, should I bu- I'm, I'm considering
2: whether I should book off next Monday to go down and celebrate uh, Kilman Cook-Croke's doubleheader win
7: um, or not uh, I tell you it would be a fair double if they do do it the footballers obviously unlikely yeah uh, well, the odds would suggest that they were brilliant last Sunday against St Mullins in the Hurling, but like they're coming up against the cream of the crop in Bally Hale and a Bally Hale team that has a point to prove and a Bally Hale team that got a nice little wake up call last Sunday because for the first half and even Pat Hoban, the manager said after they were bullied in the middle part of the pitch mm. and isn't it great to have a stick to beat such a good yeah. team, such a good team a team that really has a point to prove and Bally only need to win one game and hope that Ballygunner do their thing down in Munster and then it's the, that fascinating rematch in all Ireland club semi-final that that I, I talked earlier on this year about like what sort of club games would get the same coverage as a county game and that would if they meet again like Napiershig and Ballygunner it'll be an inter-county standard club game and Ballyhale or Madford and <laughs> you can say Ballygunner or Madford too
2: Yeah it does seem as
4: if all, everything points that way Adrian's disgusted myself and Tommy during the week Mick because um, he's a Westmead man so you think ah oh, you support your even if it's not your local club you support your county's club who are competing in a provincial championship but he's blown into Kilmock here and oh it's the local team now and he's down there every week and I'm, a me- I'm literally a, a member of Kilmacaul Kilmacaul club. Club. you're
7: one of the what 10,000 members oh, <laughs> I've probably blown four four up the members Four thousand. Club. Yeah, 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 <laughs> four yeah. thousand
2: super four club time. Adrian loves the, loves the term super club it's a mighty
7: club well, I would they always say it, like in fairness the lo- it's great having numbers, but the logistics involved in controlling those numbers and organising those numbers Crazy. is unbelievable. Super clubs need super people as well, like normal clubs, absolutely. like normal clubs do. Well, um, so tough I'm for me I'm going to use yeah. that line again
2: because that is absolutely it. I, I'm the biggest advocate for everything they're doing down there. I have to say the stuff that gets reported about the the stuff that gets melded into a conversation around like Shane Walsh joining the club and suddenly you've chat about man, you know, are the Man City of GA and all this stuff. I see what's happening on the ground down there, and I'm not look I don't know what's happening at the other level. I'm not involved in it, but I see what's happening at the under sevens and the, the, there's 150. Uh, kids at that age group going down there, and like you say, mm-hmm. the super people that are involved in driving that stuff. Ah, it's yeah, but an the, incredible the, volume of work.
4: I agree with you, but like the Man City of under seven, under eight teams, people doing great work as well, but like they are the Man City of. of no, the but GA. Man
2: City have oodles of cash, and what I'm saying is, like. And, and, broke, at, no, but at, at seven, at, at uh, nine o'clock, half nine on a Saturday morning, when there's 130, 140 well. kids milling around, and there's it does them a massive disservice to be talking about this nonsense to do with. It's like as if they've got some. They're beg boring and stealing as many pitches as they can because they don't have room to. It's not like they've got like some floodlit like super facility, but like it's no different to any other club. Just that it's a big population uh, range, so there's a huge uh, number
7: of playing staff there, and and the volunteer effort is off the charts. The facilities is a fascin- fascinating one because. Cooler would often train in Bray, and Kilmacud could be coming off the pitch when Cooler are coming on the pitch, and facilities are obviously very hard to come by. And the more numbers you have, the more traffic on a pitch, the more, like, if you have, we'll just say you have 150 kids at under 6 or under 7, like, they have to go, like, 150 is a lot. They have to, like, one pitch is not going to, corner, a pitch isn't going to suffice for them. So there's a lot, uh, involved in the logistics of it. And just what we said about the double, the do- like, I'm- we're probably doing the chance of the d- double a disservice. The- the footballers are obviously roaring hot favourites against the Downs, we haven't been in a provincial final in 50 years, and Kilmacudder doing back-to-back. But the Hurlers were brilliant last week, and after being beaten by Clock Balakala last year, probably stunned down in Port Leash, they beat them pretty comprehensively. They beat, say, Mullinside, well to put up to Ballyhale in a final in 2019, beat them pretty comprehensively and their pace is scary. They're a young, fit, athletic side. I think the fascinating thing about it is what's probably not talked about with the, with the shamrocks enough, with bodyhead shamrocks enough is how fit, how strong and mobile they are. And that, I think in around that middle third, I think Ballyhale might eventually eat them up physically just because Cudder as I said a mobile side but there's only a certain amount of times in a game you can get hit mm. before it eventually takes that little steam out of you and you're kind of punch struck a small bit maybe towards the end of a game but I do expect that to be tight and it's definitely not going to be one way of traffic
2: Adrian Mullen was somebody we chain had on Tuesday and we were chatting to him like a young fella who your former young player of the year all star and like has blood in him which I didn't know before we had him on, oh, yeah, yeah. like uh, obviously a, a serious player a better chance of winning on Ireland at club level I would uh, hasten to mm. predict than he does at county level probably
7: well he has a couple already I think it's mad they were only beating three points in the All-Ireland final was it three or two even uh, it was was it one uh, 130 to 226 in the All-Ireland final and we we're totally, totally right of next I year know. but, but uh, if I asked you you'd still sell limerick right I, I know I would yeah on Adrian Mullen there's a guy that can literally do everything on the pitch. He can play inside, he can go deep, he can create, he can attack, he can, uh, distribute brilliantly, he's so physical, uh, and he's such a great worker. And it's like almost the mantle in Ballyhale Shamrocks has been passed probably from Henry to TJ, and it's probably slowly passing to Adrian Mullen I now as well. Uh, like he's only, he's only 23, did his cruciate, um, his young hurler dears, he says, an all-star district was in the running for player of the year, probably before the final, had a quiet final, by his standards hit three points, but he's, yeah, he's controlling everything that's good about Pally at the moment. And like, that's, that's some statement to make, you know, in a forward line that also includes Owen Cody, Colin Fenley, TJ Reid. Do you know what I mean? And as long as Mullen is at that eight out of ten, and a few other guys chip in at seven out of ten, they're in pretty good shape most days.
4: The, the dual players that we talk about. One difficulty, I suppose, Kim could have is the dual nature of a lot of their, uh, you know, the fact that you have two teams firing on both fronts um, can be a difficult thing for, for clubs to manage. I know there's not that much of a crossover, maybe in terms of squads, but it's still something they have to consider.
7: Yeah, Brian Sheet is the only one, I think, this year with McCullough. I think there was two last year. So you have the really unique uh, aspect of Sunday where the games are actually flipped. Yeah. The was supposed must be second. Uh, he's a guaranteed starter for the hurlers and will play the whole game if he's, if he's fully fit to play it. So he'll play the first game um, hopefully be celebrating from his point of view we'll go and maybe chill out or jump on a bike maybe for 15 or 20 minutes probably not do the warm up with the footballers uh, and then we'll probably come on for the last 10 or 15 minutes as he does normally with the footballers but it is a very it's a difficult uh, balancing act for him it's, it's not something that's ever been done before where a team is a club has been able to win both codes in the same year. I think Port Leash were beaten in the late 80s. Uh, UCD, I think, have been in both finals. Um, Ballyboden have been in both finals and Port Leash, but no one has ever won the two of them. So imagine the Sunday Brian Sheedy would have.
2: And it's, it's like, it, I have to say, it's just uniquely GEA and uh, fair yeah. play for them for for, uh, for facilitating that yeah, because it could have easily just said.
7: Yeah, well, you could you could say as well fair play in one way but should they be on different days yeah. but we asked Oshin O'Rourke during the week who's obviously with the Hurlers and he was kind of happy because the overlap is not that strong and for a club it's someday for Kill McCudd to be going to Coopart yeah. for two provincial finals on Sunday, and it'd be just extra special for Brian Sheety if they win the two of them.
2: That goal that they got against St. Mullins with that Roner Hayes drive down the middle, and it's easier probably for him in a lot of ways just to tap that over the bar. But he goes for the jugular. They're going to need to go for the jugular a lot if they're going to come out on the right aren't they?
7: Yeah, and I think the probably the intriguing and promising point of view thing from a Kill McOod point of view is the amount of goal chances they created, and the amount of goal chances that Bally Hale threw up mm. against uh, Nase. They could have had, they could have been well behind fifteen or twenty minutes in, and probably had to thank Dean Mason for two really, good, uh, two really good saves and they could have been very far behind but they were a bit startled in that open, opening period against Nays and I don't expect that to be the case on Sunday you know when a team gets a wake-up call and the next day it's like they're the one giving the wake-up call to the other team and they're the one forcing the physicality but from a Ronan Hayes point of view and a Kilmacud point of view Love breaking the line, love creating goal chances. Like he was stone mad for goals the last day. He had no interest in <laughs> tapping the ball over the bar. Every time he got the ball, he was racing down the middle. Uh, I don't expect there to be big channels of space for him to run down. But when they get those couple of chances, they're definitely going to have to take them. They also have Alex Consley back, who was suspended from the county finals. He missed two games. He's going back, and I imagine he comes straight into the full forward line as well. This might sound like a
4: ridiculous, might sound like a ridiculous thing to say, but I mean, are there any weaknesses in the? Ballyhill team that Kilmacud
7: can target? Oh, there, there aren't too many weaknesses and if you look at nearly every player has got county experience as well um, the defence definitely looked a bit shaky last day so I definitely would say that that's something that Kilmacud would go after and Kilmacud put up big scores and they create goal chances so uh, probably creating chances and taking them early that's where you're looking at there was definitely a few openings left by the Ballyhill defence last day and Kilmacud will definitely be looking to exploit them yeah, but Ballyhale to get it done is what you're saying, ultimately. Uh, yeah, I think I actually think Ballyhale will be the ones that force the issue early and I wouldn't be <laughs> a bit surprised to see Colin Felney hit the net once or twice in the first 10 or 15 minutes. And for them just to have them at arm's length throughout like by arms, end I'm talking five or six. Okay.
2: In the second game, then Croaks against the downs from Westmead, and another man we had on uh, recently, Luke Lachlan um, chatting about his amazing journey over the last few years. But uh, he, and he wasn't always a starter for Westmead this year, but a uh, big impact player at times during the that, obviously Talton run, and clearly belongs at that level. He, man of the match in the Retold game and uh, kick five points. And if the downs are to win, he's a player that. Probably needs to be man of the match again.
7: Oh, without a doubt, Jay. He's kicking four or five from play every day. Mm. And uh, his story is fascinating because, you know, he's talking openly about, you know, playing games or losing a game and, you know, just kind of disappearing off the face of the earth for two months. Mm. But I was just chatting to Niall Mitchell, his his forward colleague and teammate during the week, and he just said, you can see in him how happy he is at the moment. And he can see even in his his style of play that he's not, uh, you know, most really good forwards, I suppose, have a selfish streak to them in a way. But, He's taking on the shots when the shots there to be taken on. He's a creator uh when it's there to be created, um and he's gonna he's gonna but he's gonna have to be it's a really fascinating one on Sunday. So the Downs have kicked an average of twenty points per game. Again, <laughs> my could concede like so little I think yeah. it was 112 to 4 points against Port Harrington it's funny enough for a team that has like Shane Walsh in the ranks and obviously Paul Mannion when he's fit they don't shoot oh. the lights out they don't need to uh, and they really go after your kick out and they go after the Downs kick out as well uh, on Sunday as well the Downs were in uh, same as Tour de Strand actually Tour de Stran were in a provincial final 40 years ago were beaten there in the, in the Connacht final at the weekend the Downs were in the final in 1972 and obviously haven't been back there since and the funny one about a lot of the provincial finals this weekend there is like a red hot favourite in one corner apart from the Schlock Neil and Dunloy game there's a really strong favourite and the Downs are massive underdogs and they've hit 20 points per game like they'd be doing well to get ten or eleven on the board at the like that would be a good tally and that would give them a chance of winning the game but
2: And as you say like maybe Crokes don't score an awful lot more and maybe that's the that's the
7: That's the kind that's the sort of game that they need but the like Craig Diaz is in crazy form out in the middle of the field. Like, he's literally controlling games. Uh and I know Paul Mannion is missing but they still have the likes of Dara Mullen up there, Shane Cunningham, Shane Horn and obviously Shane Walsh as well. Um probably expect Dara Egerton who's uh more renowned as a hurler same as Niall Mitchell is actually Probably to pick up Shane Walsh, yeah. and obviously he's going to have to keep him quiet. But again, if you're just focusing on Mark and duties with him, it opens doors and space for other guys, and there's plenty more guys to he take up. Sh- yeah, or- he, but he just he just he's controlling games midfield. Yeah. If anything, yeah, he, he got called back under Desi a couple of years ago, and played uh, he played a couple of games. Like he's, we chatted to him not too long ago as well. And he's like he's in the form of his life at the moment. Mm. I don't know if he if his his home situation will allow him to go in. I think he has a a, a small kid at home, but he's literally a guy that you would be probably I, looking I, at I've for captain. I've been
2: at a couple of games of Crocs recently. <laughs> Watching you can I mean, I know it's Dublin, so they're a different benchmark than most of the teams in the country. But the way he dominates games and like he's not afraid to get up and try for a score or take a score. He's scored a couple of goals. Uh, remarkable that he hasn't played more for Dublin over the last eight or nine years.
7: Ah, uh, it probably is, yeah, because as you say, I, I do think he's in the best form of his life at the moment, yeah. Um, and it's never too late. Uh, it's never too late if you're in form. It's never too late. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see. It would be his third time back in with Dublin if, if he was called back in. But the fascinating thing about Croaks is, uh, and I know they were beaten in the club final last year, with that, that last minute goal, but their ability to strangle you and suffocate you. Kula had them on the rocks in a quarter final, and just choked them out in the last ten or fifteen minutes, uh, like. Good lad, putting a, putting a sleeper hole in or something. Shane, the last five or ten minutes. Well, there's comments coming
4: ropes. in, Nick yeah. like, on your on your top. People suggesting it's the rock.
7: Oh, it is. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. The, the yeah Good old brama Bull symbol. Yeah, it, yeah, stick yeah. With the sleeper
4: theme, of course. And <laughs> um, th- I don't want this to sound disrespectful to the other teams in the Leinster Club Football Championship, but do Kilkenny could have a tougher in, within county? Like when they play the Dublin Senior Championship, is that a much tougher? test for them then when they get to the provincial level
7: yeah well you could probably say the same even when Vincents were on a run and even when Ballymun got all the way to the All-Ireland final as well and even like when Burr were on top back in the 90s like Burr won a club All-Ireland in 95 having won a playoff against Rhinus to qualify for a quarter final that can often that can often be the case and same with Kilcoo mm. Warren Point, and I think it was Warren Point and Burn absolutely ran them to an inch of their life now they're in a provincial final and are probably favourites to win All-Ireland outside of Kilmacud. so that's often the case uh, and once you get uh, it's almost like once you get that over that first little hump, the pr- not the pressure is off, but you can kind of get into a bit of a rhythm, and Kilmacode are definitely in a rhythm now. Like they were as good as they've been uh, over the past couple of years against Port Harrington at semi-final. Just a word as well on Morris Deegan. He's refereeing at the weekend. I think that's his last, it's going to be his last big gig, because right. he's hit the 50 mark, and once he hit the 50 mark, um, you basically have to retire from intercounty refereeing. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, because i chat. was chatting with John Keenan recently. I did a piece with him in the Independent last week. He's 49, and to me, uh, he's coming into his prime as a referee. Yeah. And he was referee that brilliant Munster final last year. But this next year is going to be his last year because he's 50 so i don 't understand i don 't know is it is it ageist? I think it is, I, 50 I, I, is yeah young now. well like i'll tell you what he said the way John put it to me was if i 'm still hitting my metrics at fifty three or fifty four yeah. i don 't think it really matters mm-hmm. like because yeah. fitness test yeah. what's the average age for retirement at intercounty? we'll just say it's 31 that's not to say that someone can't be still playing in their 40 like, when 40, like Tony Brown was mm. there are outliers in every category I just find it funny that with the shortage of referees that were actually pushing some of the top referees also, out like,
2: the door if it was 50 20 years ago
7: now it totally, feels like yeah. it might be 55 now. Like totally, yeah. With everybody's a kind of... A, lads that are involved at Intercounty, be it refereeing or playing, they're kind of gym bunnies now as well. They look after themselves a lot better. They eat a lot better. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I, I would agree with you, and I think that should be taken on a case-by-case basis when if somebody wants to leave a 50, fine. Mm. But if they're coming into their prime, like I think a John Keenan is, like I'd, I'd be holding on to him as long as he possibly mm. could. When you're speaking of age there, I think what you mentioned Niall Mitchell, I think it was him that was speaking during the week about the
4: average age of the Croaks team being 26, 27, fairly prime age and the Downs that little bit older. Now, a bit of experience there as well, but that, that's fairly significant that the Kilmacud team, they're not only dangerous but in their prime.
7: Yeah, and seasoned, chain I think yeah. as well, yeah. Um, and it's just, I think that bit of experience when it comes to closing out games, there's no better team to close out a game than Kilmacud Croaks mm-hmm. at the moment. And the Downs will have to be ahead and trying to hold on I'd say and I just, I just can't see them getting the scores that are, that are needed. Like Luke Lockton is flying, Niall Mitchell is flying. Like the shots that they're, the chances they're going to get are going to be under so much pressure on Sunday in comparison to what they've probably met to this point. Um, and like of all the, of all the certainties at the weekend, they definitely would have the Crocs footballers as the greatest certainty of them all at the weekend. And that's not doing disrespect to the Downs, it's just, it's just the, you know, the facts of the matter. It's funny how we mention, like, all the talk is of Shane Walsh and the scoring. And
4: the, the fact that he can be outside the scoring zone and, and pick off points uh, galore, but it was one of the players pointing out this week that he gives everyone else in the Kilmacud Crokes forward line space to do damage themselves, which you kind of forget about sometimes.
7: Yeah, well, when you have a player like that, people often say, "Oh, if we can keep him out of the game or whatever," but then he gets smart and he starts like just disappearing out of the forward line, and all of a sudden there's only five. I don't know how
2: you keep him out of a game. I honestly watched him play. Yeah, At the yeah. Dublin final, you talk about keeping out of the game. He's back in the, the Crokes full back line. A lot of the time, helping out, digging out, like getting stuck into the hard work. I honestly, that sounds like it's such a naive comment. I don't know how you keep
7: him out of a game. Uh, It is very, it's very difficult. You have to have uh, a miserable fella who has no interest in (laughs) touching the ball. You actually do like you have to have somebody that does not probably want to be involved in the play and will just be like. I don't care, like, I was chatting with Chrissy during the week and he said, uh, some of the best games he's ever had, he hasn't actually touched the ball. <laughs> but you have to be like, so Maze tonal, tonal yeah, vision yeah. on that. Um, but as I said, Walsh, it's amazing how, whatever about Walsh's genius and being able to kick scores, it's amazing how, he's actually like talking on the field and like dictating affairs like a lad that's been playing with him for 10 years he's literally like bringing all his experience I don't know if he came straight in and was like i say he got to learn the plays very quickly and then was like you know I'm an experienced player here I'm going to control mm. things if you're down at pitch level Adrian you can actually hear him you can actually hear him dictating and telling Lance where to go. And listen, that's a great sign and maybe that's why he was carried shoulder high when he came into the club. yeah, yeah. Sloan Clubhouse that night. I
2: was in that clubhouse the next morning uh, dropping a kid off to crash and the aftermath was real. <laughs> um, we've Dennis Ryan in contact there on YouTube saying, "Vernie, not just a poet but the greatest hairstyle in
7: sports journalism. I do I do have to look at that. yeah. It's, uh, it's probably a trim needed now before Christmas to be fair. I'll leave it. Yeah, uh, keep
2: out. Also, um, bum, 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 somebody saying that you're a ringer for surge from Kasabian who I think we've a shot
7: of (laughs) <laughs> actually, yeah. Is that good or bad? That's good. That's, that's good. A Handsome man. Paul well, Galvin is the one I often get. Yeah, I yeah, actually yeah, dressed yeah. up as him for Halloween one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago before I got into this game. we need to see.
2: <laughs> Mick, thanks for being the games over the weekend. <laughs> Cheers, gents. Surely you will. Michael Verney uh, in with us to discuss mainly the uh, Leinster games obviously for the weekend and uh, with more G8 to come. Do keep the comments coming into us, by the way, if it is uh, about your, uh, who everybody looks like or whatever it is. Uh, lash them into us. It is uh, just coming up on nine o'clock we're going to talk rugby with Alan Quinlan in just a little bit I'm delighted to say we're going to stick with the GEA and uh, appointment um, that's happened in Wexford football over the last few days and I'm delighted to say that Anya Kinsler, the new Wexford football assistant manager is with us on the line morning Anya. morning Adrian how are you flying it thanks William for jumping on you've joined John Hegarty's backroom staff uh, with the Wexford senior footballers you were with the Hurlers last year yeah
8: with, with the Wexford Hurlers last two seasons yeah um, so probably one of the toughest decisions I've had to make in a sporting sense, I guess, to walk away from the, the hurling setup. Um, you're leaving something you love to go into maybe a little bit of an unknown. But I've had the, the, the pleasure of working with John for the last three years with Shell Millier as an expert. So when he came to me, offered me a, a coaching role with, you know, more scope maybe than what I've been doing previously. It was just too good an opportunity for me to, to pass up.
2: And football's your background. Is it your love? <laughs> yeah, or?
8: so I would have grown up. I'm um, from Fenne and Carlo originally, so I'd have gone up playing ladies football my whole life, and um, would have represented Carlo the whole way up along. Do you know, had, we had a really good club in and Saint Fortunes, and we were had a you know a nice bit of success there, winning Leinster. We were on Leinster to club as well as several county titles. So ladies football is my background, but I took up Camogie very late in life, and then. Somehow found myself in a, a hurling analysis gig um, when Colin Bonner came in and took over the Carlo Hurlers. So it kind of just all snowballed and took off from there. But the coaching thing is, is an area I've been wanting to try and, and branch into in recent times. So it's definitely um, an area that I would be probably relatively new to um, in such a hands-on capacity. But it's just it's very exciting now.
2: Mm. You mentioned the scope there that uh, John had said you're going to get a bit of a broader brief maybe than you had previously. So you're doing stats and video analysis with the hurlers. So what's the brief now?
5: So
8: just co- coaching, you know, um, and having an input in all aspects of team preparation. Um, I would be very interested in in all areas of, of performance. Um, so being allowed now to have, you know, on the field time with the players, have an input into team selection, set up uh, team play tactics uh and then i think how that marries with the analysis side of things i I think it's a really good complement to each other so it's um a great a great uh role for me to be in for me to learn and develop now in in this capacity
4: do you do you pick up little bits on you as you go along like would you be someone who kind of invests themselves and and really digs deep into the world of coaching like you've you've worked with the likes of davy fitz for example so you're picking up little tidbits as you go along
8: yeah absolutely and I guess I've been incredibly fortunate with the managers that I've gotten to work with across every spectrum of the game from a, a schools level to a club level to an intercounty level and everyone that you would work with you'd always be taking up little bits and, and nuggets from them um, and like the time I got to spend with Colin Bonner and Carlo, that was my, my first experience in, in management at any level and the amount I would take from those years I spent with Colin and I guess when I was a player, I, I was very rigid in my thinking of, of how you had to go about your business and how you had to prepare and always felt that you nearly had to be the most serious yeah. person in, in the room. But Colm showed me that, that there's other ways of, of dealing with people. Um, so every manager that I've worked with as I've, I've moved across the pathway the last number of years, I've taken little bits and pieces and kind of brought the things that interest me the most along with me as I continue on the journey now.
2: Have you like, a style of football that you'd like to see Wexford playing on you? or Because uh, obviously these things tend to uh, be on vogue at a certain point and depending on where you're at in the overall sort of hierarchy of, of uh, football in the country. But what sort of style uh, would you like to see Wexford um, footballers playing?
8: Like, I'd, love, I'd love to see the lads be, be more attacking and be more adventurous and, and take more risks. Um, I think the way the game is moving at the minute, you have to be brave enough to t- take risks. And I think very often they can be rewarded. Um, and again, you have to marry that with a practical sense of of being in Division 4 as well. So you have to look at a, having a strong defensive shape and being able to, to work out from there as well. Um, but for me at the minute, in in the short term, it's just about in getting in, getting to know the players. Um, I wouldn't know many of them, obviously, having spent the last couple of years involved with the hurlers. One or two of them off the, the shells panel, I would know well. But aside from that right now, the the short term view for me is just to get in, get to know them, try establish some connection with all of them, um, get to know them as people. And that would be something that would be very crucial to me is creating common touch points with the players as as people and then using that insight into, into how they function as people to try and enhance the learning that occurs then on the coaching pitch.
4: We had the, the the famous infamous incident of Jerome Johnston, the Kilku coach, not wanting to take charge of his club Valley Bay when they were playing his uh, his home club, which a lot of people kind of were falling down two sides on. But um, you'll have the the unenviable task of taking on Carlo in Division Four this year. On you yeah. is, that, is that a tough thing to do, taking on your own county?
8: Um, it'll definitely be strange. Um, I guess the fact that when I was working in Carlo, it was with the hurlers and. They would be a group that would hold a very special place in my heart based off, you know, the success we had and what a, a brilliant group they were at that time. Um, it would definitely be strange to go up against your own county, but I wouldn't have that same familiarity or knowledge with the Carlo footballers at the, at, the way, at the same level. So... Whilst it'll be strange, I don't feel I'll have the same conflict as Jerome had a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm.
4: It, it's uh it's leash up first for Wexford in the in the preliminary yeah. round of of Leinster, and then of course the winner plays uh, Dublin in, in, in the Leinster quarter final, which is which is a big task. Is it tough? <clears throat> excuse me. Is it tough for other teams in Leinster to get, I guess, psyched up for the pr- province, given the fact that Dublin are so dominant?
8: Um, in a sense, yes, but I, I guess. How how you frame that at the outset of the year, what you what you set up as your success criteria for the group you're with, will determine that. Um, and also, there's a minimum of ten competitive games for Wexford between now and, and the kickoff of the Leinster Championship. So, how those ten games pan out between a Burn Cup and, and Division Four of the league will have a huge say upon how we arrive at the starting point of the, of the Leinster Championship. So. I guess, and it's the same for every team in Division 4, everyone wants to get out of there. But any player who has spent time down there or any coach or manager who has been worked with teams in Division 4 knows how competitive it is, what a dogfight of a division it is. Um. So the, the medium term will be looking at trying to have a really strong Division 4 campaign and try to get out of there. But that could be the target for every team in that division as well.
2: And I presume trying to, you look at something like the Talton Cup, oh yeah, that can be transformative. For We don't know yet, obviously, because we've only just had the first ever winners of it, what sort of an impact that'll have on the likes of a Cavan or Westmead, all those extra mm. games under their belt. But I presume putting together a big run in the Talton Cup will be a big goal for you this year. Yeah, year. it'll be
8: really important. And I think you just look at what Westmead did last year, their approach to it, what it meant to them as a group, what it meant to the, the county as a collective. Um, and I was fortunate enough a couple of weeks ago at a, the performance analysis conference in Carlo IT to listen to Jack Cooney and Thomas Mound talk about their experience working with the Westmead footballers and the approach they took. And you couldn't but be inspired by their story and, and, and their approach to things. So I think it's it's a fantastic competition. I hope it continues on in the vein um, that it has for its inaugural year, because I think it is it, something that would be very worthwhile um for Division Three and Division Four counties.
2: You've left this uh, long trail of success behind you as well, at uh, Castlebridge, Shell What's the secret sauce?
8: Oh, I think I've just been very fortunate with, with where the groups I've gotten involved with and, and at the time I've gotten to work with them. Um from the from the get go in the Carlo hurlers right along, I think all those groups have just the age profile has been really good. They've been at a point in time where they've been taking themselves seriously, they've been quite ambitious. Um and like they've done more for me probably than I have done for them. Um, and I think particularly of the work with Shelmaliers and the doors it's opened for me in, in a in a Wexford GA sense. It's been massive, and the run we had last year in the Leinster Football Championship, the day above in Louth against Nave Martin, it'll be one of those memories that will stick with me forever. It's one of the best days I've ever had in sport, which is a crazy thing to say. Given that I'm not from down there or I've only been involved with the club for a relatively short space of time, but I've been very fortunate with, with who I've gotten to work with.
2: What's the long term goal? Would you, um, or maybe not even that long term, you'd see yourself as a manager at intercounty inter county level at some point down the track?
8: Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that would be probably a, a long term thing. Um, you know, develop as a coach, I suppose, is, is the immediate thing. Maybe look at getting involved. In a, you know, in a couple of years' time at at a club management level. Um, I think as well, like, and it's been lovely, the reaction I've had since the piece last week has been great and people have been so positive and so supportive. But I've just been thinking about that this trickle is only going to get more and more. Like, We're seeing a slow creep of more women coaches into the men's game and I think the reason why it's going to develop more and more and become a, a way more normal occurrence is because people forget that female sport is still in its infancy in, in this country in relative terms to its male counterparts. So, so much time, energy and investment as, has been given to increasing female participation numbers in sport and keeping females playing sport for longer. But I think now the current generation that are playing and maybe girls in their, in their teens, the same logical progression from playing to coaching and managing is going to develop there now It already exists in the men's game. We're just a little bit younger, and we haven't developed or matured as a sport yet. So I think, I think of like you look at that Mead Ladies team. I think loads of them will end up going into coaching simply because it's going to become more and more common to do. It's going to become the logical progression. Um, so. I, I think that, that that's what's going to happen over the coming, the next decade is going to be the great, next great evolution of, of female sport in this country.
2: And if they have the visibility of, like, obviously Anne Downey took on the Bally Ragged uh, men's yeah. team a couple of years ago, and the visibility of people like yourself doing that, then it becomes less of a, geez, I'm not sure I could do that. It's like, well, here's an obvious path now.
8: Yeah, and it, it, it's funny because for me, this doesn't feel like that big a step because I've I've never actually worked with a women's team. I've only ever been involved in in male sport Um, so for me it feels like a very natural step but if I remove myself from the from the centre of this and kind of place myself externally and think about if I was watching this being written about someone else or someone else in this position I'd be like that that's brilliant oh my god that's fantastic I even think of my own reaction when I saw Elaine Hart being involved in the Tipperary football backroom team um, or Lizzie Kent in, in Wexford the ladies Wexford ladies footballers so yeah to increase that visibility i think is important um and just to let women know that we only have to push the door now sometimes i think because you have to battle for so much for so long in certain regards as women that we almost expect the door to be locked against us where i think this door is is waiting to be pushed and we only need to give it a little nudge and then just step through into the space
4: as you say, Anya, it's been a it's been a slow creep of, of female coaches in, into the men's game. Like I think of the likes of Mags Darcy and Cian O'Connor as, as examples yeah. in my head. Do you do you find all this talk and I guess the headlines of the last week about this being a big moment and breaking the glass ceiling? Do you see that as patronising, or do you see it as as do you maybe understand the intrigue?
8: I definitely do. I do understand it. I hundred percent understand it. Um, and maybe I would feel its significance a little bit more if I was coming from maybe being involved, involved in, in a, a women's team and stepping across into a, a men's team. Um, but for me, like any team that I've worked with, any player in the room or any manager, all they really care about is, can you do the job that you're there to do? And once you can do that and you're adding value to the group, whether you're man or woman or anything else doesn't really come into the equation. You're just there to try and help them perform better. Um, like it, w- it was great my first year at Wexford Mags was there and I got got to work with her and learn from her I was actually chatting to Kleena during the week um, about this new initiative that's been launched about developing a female coaching pathway um, in GA um, so that's all very exciting and that, that coaching pathway now making that more visible and developing a mentorship programme I think that aligns with what I was saying a couple of moments ago about the resources and, and investment now that's going to be made to allow more women progress into into in a in a coaching sense and a managing sense.
4: Your, your family are no stranger to, to the GEA world either, Anya. I know your sister Marie is high up in the in the the GPAs National Executive Committee as well. So it yeah. uh, clearly runs in the blood.
8: Yeah, no, it um, does. And I, I guess I was thinking about this since the piece last week, and people are asking, you know, how how did you get into this? And I both of us, both me and my sister, were actually very lucky growing up in that we had lots of female coaches and managers along along the way. Um, so Geraldine Marr would have been my manager for when I was minor with Carlo. She also would have come back in and done a stint when I, we were as senior manager. Um, two clubmates of mine, two brilliant women who've had a significant impact on me growing up, I suppose. One, Neve Dobbs, would have been a selector of my brother's minor football team in Carlo. And then Jenny O'Neill, who... Unfortunately, really sadly passed away a couple of years ago. She would have coached Maria under 14. So we both have had very strong female role models in our lives growing up that kind of makes this feel just a a very normal thing to do.
2: We're going to follow your, uh, your path with interest, and I'm sure it's going to be a long one as well. Anya, really uh, pleasure to speak with you this morning. Thanks, William, for jumping on.
8: Thanks very much for having me, boys.
2: Thanks a lot. Uh, Wexford selector Anya Kinsler on the line to discuss her new appointment and the path that she's about to set off on. It is uh, 13 minutes past nine. It's Friday morning. It's been self with you until uh, 10 o'clock. What's your plan for the weekend, Shane? This is, uh, oh, you're uh, going to ask me finally. We've been making the point in... Um, that this hasn't come up? ...production meetings where you haven't I heard. just needed to put a bridge between you and, no. and the ex
4: your ex-Owen yeah Owen was always asked what your plans for the weekend I, I, I took it as a slight that maybe you thought that I was boring and that oh,
2: he's only from Monaghan they've only got Wi-Fi and they're only I, I, to be, I'll be honest with you I, there's no great secret but I only ever used to ask him because he used to hate having to answer
4: oh really yeah okay Whereas, whereas I think whereas you're like, yes, yeah,
2: here's my glands, right, tonight. <laughs> here's the itinerary.
4: Yeah, well, I'll be playing, uh, we've, we've a big match for Monaghan Town FC Monumentown, in the uh, Cavan Monaghan League tomorrow evening against Monaghan United. Good local rivalry. Win, we go top. Right. Cavan Monaghan Premier Division, so uh, that'll be... What's that, the, that's the there a
2: philosophical split between... Town and
4: United, bit of a divide, yeah, yeah, what's yeah, yeah.
2: It's United are traditionally better, obviously.
4: Well, we beat them three 0 in the cup last weekend, oh, so uh, right. better might not be necessarily wow. current. Wow, um, smack talk. So it's smack talk ahead of the game tomorrow night. So the town, town looking to do damage again tomorrow night. Are you
2: the big number nine, or what's the big number nine captain of the team this year? Right, uh, captain, like
4: right. Paul Smith is the is the star striker. He's a former League of Ireland player, so kind of brings the brings the prestige mm. uh, and the kind of you know the. What do you bring? I bring the the big man in the box. I guess mm. could score the odd goal as well. Scored a header a couple of weekends ago. Mm. So um, yeah, it's it's a team game though. It's not about me, Adrian. It's a uh, it, three points is all that matters. <laughs> so that's my plan for the weekend, and maybe uh, have a couple of points afterwards. Potentially, potentially, if we win. Good
2: man. Right. We'll look at uh, we'll we'll make that. Thanks a, for we'll that A regular. I Thanks just for asking. Feel like it's, it's not great when you're just so enthusiastic about telling us, Shane. That's the yeah. Object. I know if your pl- Be more reluctant. That'd be great. That's fair. I, I know your your
4: plan obviously a revolver and kill McCood, no doubt.
2: Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Really Santa's yeah. coming to Kimmerud in the morning, so we're all down. Yeah, he's yeah, bringing selection boxes with him. So lovely. I'll be there front of the queue. Ideal. Uh, uh, quarter past nine. OTB brought to you with Gillette and Association. But November effortless uh, shaved magnificent moan You can sign up or donate now at November dot com. Here's what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio over the course of the morning. Jason Sherlock. The uh, new Westmeath coach uh, will be coming your way. O'Tb Gold uh, from one o'clock. We have Mount Rushmore. Cavan is the subject today. Three Brenda Bradley, Team Thirty Three, League of Ireland Legend. Four Chris Waddle uh, from six and O'Tb Gold. And of course, the Crappy Quiz is going to be live. I believe from around sort of twelve o'clock direction is what I understand. Maybe a little bit later in the day. Um, a little bit later today, you can follow uh, O'Tb across all of our social channels. Subscribe as well to the O'Tb Podcast Network for all the best uh, in and latest. In sports content, up next, Alan Quinlan is standing by. He's been doing his prep uh, live in studio. First of all, before all of that, Ashling spoke with Malachi Fakatua on how he's settling in at Monster.
6: Malachi, your first season at Monster, how have you been finding it so far?
3: It's been uh, it's been great. You know, like we're building nicely. Started slow uh, for myself and the team as well. But obviously a lot of new coaches and uh, myself new and new system in place so we're building nicely so hopefully we can do well in this competition
6: yeah obviously there is Graham Roundtree is in there is new coaches in there they're finding their feet you're finding your feet so it does take a little bit of time I suppose you have to trust the process especially when you have new systems in place
3: yeah, I believe so yeah and that's what we've been working on is uh, you know focusing on what we can control uh, which is uh, you know hard work and, and that's what we're all about there um you know you can see the things change slowly we start getting results now and uh win a, a couple two or three games now in a row uh and uh, hopefully we can build
6: and did that all kick off with your win against South Africa and Perky Cueve that was a massive occasion
3: it did the uh yeah. honestly it was um you know it's a proper game you know you could see uh, how much it meant for uh to the boys and also to the Monster fans, and. Uh, you know, you can, can feel the buzz around the club, and uh, I can see, I think, I believe that's the start of something, and hopefully we can carry that on to the Champions Cup.
6: Did you realise of how big a game it was before you went into it? Obviously, you'd only arrived over. You obviously know all about South Africa, but I suppose to play in Perki Quiv, it's not the, the done thing in Ireland?
3: Um, yeah, I, I knew, you know, playing uh, in the national side would be big, and yeah. uh, but I didn't think. Uh, it, you know the whole experience is going to be that big if you know what I mean. Like uh, it was felt like a test match. Uh, it it is it was for the boys, and uh, you know the fans loved it. It was sold out, and uh, hopefully there's many more games like that in the future. Yeah.
6: And how was it for you to make the transition to the style of play I suppose here in Ireland and Munster and how they play to what you would have been used to?
3: Um, Look, it's, it's tough, you know, um, especially for myself, um, you know, trying to get connection with the players and, and also uh, finding out what works and what not. And, you know, and the game doesn't slow down for you, for you You know what I mean? Like, uh, And all that matters is your result and why you're trying to find your feet. The game doesn't stop. So um, it is hard, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. But, um, you know, the, the, I'm still working and uh, I'm still working hard behind the scenes. And a lot of guys uh, helping out uh, to make things easier for me, and uh, I just can't wait to come out on the other side. OTB AM
2: twenty past nine. Welcome back, Alan Quinlan. Good morning to you. Morning, How's it going? Day. We had a great nice, plan to yeah. be chatting away about Leinster and Munster and all sorts of stuff, and then I picked up the Irish Daily Mail this morning and I saw Shea in the mix, or if you may turn to ex-Ireland stars, Jones feels the heat. So he's obviously there in a director of. Um, performance role is that is his uh, job, something yeah. like that Um and so that there's a possibility that if Jones goes I mean if he goes they kind of need to decide now don't they
9: like this needs to be either you strange. leave now this stuff is kind of getting out and leaking out even though the review hasn't been completed maybe they've had their meetings this week and mm. um, but it's kind of strange that it's, it's out there now that this stuff is um Conor O'Shea has been linked there's lots of talks about different coaches taking over Warren Gatlin, Scott Robertson Borthwick um, Borthwick yeah so I have a feeling this mightn't go um, well for Eddie Jones you know I think there's a lot of kind of rumblings and and, um, obviously for, for England to be you know having the results they've had in the last 12 months Last couple of Six Nations as well, so
2: if they um, were to do that, Quinny, the the like O'Shea in one way and Borthwick, obviously to the same degree, given what they would know, given that there's a Six Nations only around the corner, surely there's it's probably an interim appointment that gets them, I don't know, past the Six Nations. Yeah, because is a World tricky Cup. time
9: unless someone like Warren Gatland or Scott Robertson um, were to say, well, look, I'm coming in for the next couple of years and I'll sign up. But this has been probably driven by. What what will dictate this, Adrian, I think, is the players. They'll go and talk to players. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately for Eddie Jones, there's been lots of rumblings about, you know, maybe the way he treats people and different coaches. There's been a fair rollover of coaches there over the years. Um, The way he's kind of runs this kind of ruthless kind of environment and stuff like that. But um, not every coach will please every player and vice versa so there's always going to be some players who'll say well I don't like that coach or, and some will be incredibly loyal so if you ask someone like Owen Farrell because he's been captain and he's been a mainstay you know, he'd probably say something really positive where someone like Mike Brown who played got dropped wasn't picked was frustrated well, says funny something I saw, different I saw so that, on that
2: um, the Good Bad in the Rugby podcast during the week saying that, and he's in all the squads saying that he's he, the kind he, of fellow who'd well, it was put to him that, Whoever's like, coach, you know, and so still probably turns the, 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 the rumours the out thing. there that, that, you know, there's a split in the camp, the players are not happy. And he was like, I mean, maybe, what else would you say? But he was certainly fairly definitive in the sense and that And it he wouldn't it's surprise me for a
9: character like him, because he's that kind of fellow who doesn't really care. And, yeah. I, you know, coach wouldn't affect his psyche. He just, he's kind of that free spirit and he's yeah. a very good player. So it wouldn't surprise me like that. But, you know, when you run a kind of a tough, ruthless environment, which... You know, it's top-end sport. It's not Molly Coddling either. You know, you have to have a bit of pressure and you have to have standards and all that kind of stuff. But then when the result starts creaking a little bit, you hear little things that certain guys, um, you could get more out of them. On paper, and the evidence of what you see from England players, they're underperforming. Mm. You know, they're not a team that maybe are as dominant... Um, given the players they have, it's and I'm not saying they have this wonderful talent of thirty players that are unbelievable, they're the world's best. But you see what Rassi Erasmus and Nienenbar have done to South Africa, you sense that England are kind of a bit of a sleeping giant like that. If they if 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 they get have a little bit of change, maybe there is a lot more potential. I don't know. Eddie, Eddie Jones has, you know, had had great success for himself in the coaching in his coaching career, but He's kind of been up, down, up, down for the last number of years. And, you know, England are one of the powerhouses of world rugby. Whether we like it or don't like it as Irish people, that's the way they are. But you sense now that, you know, they're they're not really sure of their identity. They're not really sure which way they play. Um, can they overpower teams like traditionally they've done? you know, the results just haven't been good enough. So I suspect they will make a change. I don't know. And, um, you know, as I said this on Monday to Gerrard, I said Eddie Jones is, you know, he he's very outspoken. He's always kind of throwing little jibes at different coaches, different players. And, I, I, you know, he's a real character in the game. And um, But I think there's... Something could happen out of this, you know.
4: Quinny, is it not a bit of an exercise in futility then asking the players what they think about Eddie Jones? Because you're going to have I 15 who love him and 15 who hate
9: him. Bill, you know, Bill Sweeney, the chief executive, and other people who are in the decision making, they, they'll they'll kill him. on the QT. Will be they really like? They'll they'll try and um, garner that information as to what the environment is like and what do the players really think and. Um, do they need to? They won't be, hinge it on that. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if you've um, a dictator running your team if you're getting results. Yeah. Um, and usually, you know, if you are getting results, it's you know, it, it is fairly ruthless, Jan, you know what I mean. It's but we've a, we've a lovely balance, and 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 what's happening now, you know, with the type of leader we have in the Irish rugby team and Andy Farrell. They'd love to get him back. I would think. I think he's learned a lot and matured, but. Eddie Jones has done. You know, people would argue and say that the results just have not been good enough in the last couple of years, and and that's the reality that he faces, and and that's the kind of pressure he's under.
4: And yet, you look at their their World Cup draw, and like you could quite They're easily be the easier, easier side of the draw, final. yeah,
9: of course, yeah, and that's what they they've done it before, haven't they? You know, um, and they, there's every chance that's why it could be an attractive proposition mm. for a lot of coaches and if they st- if if it stays as it is um i still think there will be a serious threat next year um but there's been a lot of change in the coaches over the years the assistant coaches and stuff like that and
2: oh, that stuff doesn't happen if, a if, it's, if there's a, a
9: a good environment there you know it doesn't usually happen
2: one person we know isn't uh, or most likely is not Getting the gig or taking the gig is
9: uh, your buddy. He's his advisors have got uh, in ahead of the the curve again here. You know, got their statement out and ruled themselves out of the English job. And
2: well, it's played out ideally for him, obviously now. And he's uh, it looks like I don't know as he actually signed or he's going to sign up until twenty twenty seven to stay in La Rochelle as the head coach. And he's often spoken about like the decision is not just his decision. Obviously, it's a family call and the setup that they have. But this is ideal for him now. And it's sort of because like I have to say every other time we have him on, it's like oh you've been linked with this gig or that gig whereas now it's like now listen I've a five year contract to run here and that's all done now it seems
9: yeah um, he hasn't had signed and he said it in his article this morning that um, that uh, he would be frustrated if people think he kind of used this situation and um, he likes a bit of humour, and 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 you can slag him about things and, like and that. And to be
2: fair to him, on that he like he it was after he gave that interview to BT after one of the Heineken Cup games the other year it was the last year when like it wasn't of his making that all this stuff come up. We were asking him about it. What are you going to do? Like, I mean, you have to kind of respond. Yeah, to and look, he's ask. a
9: year and a half into 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 the yeah. head coach gig, so there's a year and a half left. So it's not a surprise that they would be discussing his future. You know what I mean? I don't think you'd want to let it run into the last year and. Um, it's going, it's going well they like him the players like him The the they've spoken Jules Far, Jules Favre was on you know at that BT launch so we heard Malachi Fekitoa it during the week and um, I know you, if you're asked about your head coach you're not going to yeah. say I don't like him but <laughs> yeah. you sense Will Skelton there's a lot of them saying that they have this kind of relationship that's
2: you can read between really the lines what players yeah, say yeah,
9: and, they, and um, obviously I know him very well and I know that that's his approach anyway he 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 would absolutely lambaste you if you weren't doing your job but loves to have a bit of crack and get that balance right and that's always the intrigue with any coach you know what I mean I, I can't say that it's the exact way you should do it but um, that's what I feel the way it should be It feels like you it's a more long
2: term approach rather than like the Jose Mourinho the Eddie Jones like all brimming. Sometimes
9: you need to go in and have this ruthless and cut out the dead wood and and you know really have a, a pressurized situation where you're ruthless in your decision making and all that kind of stuff. But the the coaches who last are the ones that are respected by the players and that they feel that they're they're getting a fair crack at the whip. And if they don't play, they get proper feedback. All that kind of stuff. There's a balance. Who'd want to be a coach? It's it's a very high pressurized job. When results are going well. It's great. Rog hasn't experienced that kind of low dip where, you know, you lose five games and the crowd are starting to mm-hmm. get on your back. Um, and maybe he never will. You don't have to. But, um, you know, what happened last year, winning that European Cup, gives you credit for a long, long time because it was just the scenes afterwards and it united that team. So, um He's, he's in a good position and and happy where he is, I think, and he's come out and said that now.
4: As someone who knows him well, Quinny, is Raj the type of coach that you think you would have liked to have played under?
9: Yes, because he was the same as a player. Uh, and I've said this many times, he was effectively like a coach when he played because he... He spoke a lot at meetings, and he always spoke for the reason of making the team better. You know, if we lost the game, he was very vocal in reviews, um, could be very, would pick you out and would be very honest and open in the way you played and stuff, but always kind of have an ability to tell you, you know, you can do better, and I believe you can do better. So he always had that intrigue, the same way as Paul, you know, natural leaders, that. I would have been seen on a regular basis. You know, Paul had the same kind of ability to do that and really trying to get better all the time and a great standard as players. Um, so Rodge was, yeah, of course he, he, he helped me a lot in my career and helped lots of players around him. Um, and, you know, turned up and did his job really well, had a high standard, and, and got the best out of himself. So I would have, because, uh, you know, He was very, very good and a great driver in the, the successful team that I would have played in.
2: Um, let's talk about the rugby. Two games to touch on, obviously. Saturday night, a URC action at the RDS. It's first against second, and you've been very impressed uh, with Leinster. They obviously got the job done in Belfast earlier in the uh, not that long ago, a couple of months ago. So um, you expect it to go with form again, or what's your expectation? You know, they're going
9: to have um, a lot of their. You know, frontliners back yeah. now and this is going to be a, a tougher task for, for Ulster okay. Ulster have you know probably been the closest to causing them problems in the last couple of years and they've that ability to you know to, to, to put them on the rack a little bit at times but you've got to be impressed with Leinster again Um I know usually we're talking about the business end of the season and what happened last year and that's where they'll be judged again it's no surprise that they're going to be right at the top of the league and you know in the playoffs and and in the knockout stages for Europe as well I think Um, but you know points scored in the league they're first points tries scored first points conceded 16th Mm. so it tells its own story that you know the stats and numbers that really, really matter, um, they're they're top of the pile. And even when they make all these changes, they seem to you know get the job done and be ahead. You know, you look at the scarlets game a couple of weeks ago. The Welsh players are missing, the Irish players are missing, and they go over to Wales and they win thirty points to five, dominant. Mm. New players, new caps. Um, so it keeps kind of rolling. That that that. that um, that group of players and, and what they're doing. Um but of course they're gonna get, you know, it's the business end of the season and that that they'll want to deliver and bounce back from the disappointments of, of both the URC and and Europe last year. But um they're showing so no signs of wilting or, or or weakening. But I think Ulster have improved a lot again and they've added a little bit um, to the squad to the environment obviously Kitsoff is coming in Rory Sutherland is in there they have a little bit of more steel about them up front and obviously very very talented players you know James Hume is a, is, is a wonderful player having Luke Marshall back um, Balakoon Stockdale back in the mix there's there's a lot of players now that are starting to mature and and fronting up to big challenges but um you think it's going to be a tough one from tomorrow night but yeah. they're capable of causing Leinster problems and as I said they've done it in the last couple of years
2: and a lot of players
4: have points to prove at the RDS as well when you talk Ulster as well John Cooney could be facing Ireland in the World yeah, Cup next so so year
9: Scotland. The week, yeah and, and again if we've heard the rumours um, and you couldn't blame the guy if he's not going to be in the mix he may get a crack at the World Cup his dad is Scottish so um, you couldn't hold it against I think he'd be a fool not to do it at this stage um, if he's out of the Ireland reckoning and, and that's probably
2: three years since his last
9: yeah game, yeah so he is seems to be so he'd be a fool to do that but um,
2: well, whether he even gets into the Scotland team not it to do
9: it. well it'd be worth a crack you know but obviously tonight um, your favourite team are over in Edinburgh a you're always slagging us <laughs> I have to tell uh, it's Edinburgh a, a tough assignment for them team. like
2: a, an emotional week for them Mike Blair's spoken about the fact that they've chatted a lot about Doddy Where this week they're asking fans to turn out in support of that you mentioned about the internationals back in the, the RDS a raft of internationals back on both sides and a, a tough assignment all the, all the makings of a great game that one
9: yeah it's a very tough task for them. I think uh, when you see the players that are back um, the only kind of chink of light here for Munster I think is, is um, that sometimes when you bring back all your internationals it takes a little bit of time to, to get back up to speed with the calls and the set up but I think the, the the bad thing for Munster is that kind of emotional thing situation over the Dottie Weir's mm-hmm. passing and that's a kind of a, a night for them to try and honour him and you know they're asking all the people to turn up and do that and, Where they're targeting they, and yeah them. and all that kind of stuff so that adds to it a little bit but um it's a real kind of pivotal game for them. That if they go and get there something there, um, you know, could be it'd be a, an incredible result, really, given that there, there's a lot of uh, top-class internationals playing for Edinburgh tonight. Munster on the back of, you know, I know they've made a couple of changes, rotated the front row, but Gavin Coombs back in, so they have a little bit of, you know, mm. playing time together this group, and that was a problem from. Early on, up to the seventh round, that fifty-seven players used in the league, which is incredible. You only see that kind of stuff at the end of the season. But against Connacht last week, and I know Connacht will be dis- you know, really frustrated by that because they had opportunities, but Munster just had that little bit of composure at times. Still made mistakes and errors. Their mall was good. Their set piece Connacht caused them a lot of problems in the scrum. Um, so you know they're coming up against Schumann tonight and. Uh, Lou and the Bruin and others, two South African props. Um, the two South African props effectively come off the bench as well in, in Ventor and WP Nell, Even though you know, obviously WP Nell has played for Scotland for a number of years, so that's an area they really got to get right. Um, and a tough task from tonight. Who's gonna? In a word. I find it difficult to see Munster getting the win because of the team that Edinburgh have played and this is the type of team I've mentioned Edinburgh in dispatches before and saying look they're a side that can go right into the playoffs if they had all these players available they could cause anyone any problems so I think Edinburgh may be too good but I'm optimistic that Munster if they get it you know if they get building that little bit of momentum they have you know, who knows? They might yeah. cause a problem. It's and
2: important for them to get more points on the board as well. You're going to be back on Monday morning with
9: reviews of all that. Connacht are playing Benetton tomorrow as well at home, so yeah. they've got a win to try and get up the table. You know, given last week, yeah. so they're in the same situation now. Games won as months or games lost. So
2: Johnny Sexton been linked with, uh, with Connacht in one of the papers this morning as the new head coach when Andy Friend leaves. <laughs> That'll be a conversation for another day, Quitty. That's a whole can of worms that we'll have to save some time for. Thanks, Amelia, for coming in. Cheers. Enjoy guys. the weekend. Uh, OTBN brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We're going to be back on Monday Quinny's going to be here it'll be Shane alongside Ger uh, and the beloved uh, Gillette Labs performance ranking Shane oh it'll be, it'll be tough to pick this weekend
4: say there's a lot happening so oh, the World Cup gives us, gives us yeah, we have the ORC totally
2: as well totally so. eight eight. Uh, we're going to be reacting to all of that, that it'll be a bumper weekend of World Cup games as well into the knockout stages of course uh, former Man City defender Neda Manua is going to be on the line to discuss all of that and uh, plenty of reactions to the URC right now uh, have a good week OTB